Hello. <laughs> what a good start. <laughs> um, hello. Before we um, get into this episode, which is an absolute banger, Hell we yeah, just want to to thank you. This is our one year anniversary of putting the show out, and it has been a very bright light of my life since we started working on it. I am nodding. I just realised that nodding is not an it's, audio It's not medium. an audio format. It's not no, an audio yeah. medium. Yeah, a year I, in and we don't know how audio works. Yes, I, Rosie, have also have had a very good year of learning how audio does and does not work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I also really hope you enjoy this episode. And also, you know, enjoy the podcast generally. Check out our Twitter giveaway of a copy of the Twitter monopolization. <laughs> It had to be. We had no choice. Our hand it was had forced. to be. It had to be. We're keeping the television and movie store alive. <laughs> that franchise owes us the the, the six pounds that I've spent there. Um, but mostly, just thank thank you, the listener, for coming with us on this ride, for for tweeting at us, for sharing what you're enjoying, and and for for agreeing with us that Doctor Who is very gay. Yeah, exactly. And it will continue to be gay forever. Hashtag Thasman. <laughs> They see that the device works properly. They'll release me. I very much doubt it. You see, before you reactivated it, I reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. You realise what will happen? Oh, yes. You. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. So he's reversed the polarity! Keep back! Hello and welcome to Reversing Polarity, a Doctor Who fancast, where this week, in honour of the two Doctors, we have two siblings on the podcast. My name is Rosie, (laughs) my pronouns are they, them, and I'm very excited about this episode for multiple reasons. My name is Aim, my pronouns are also they, them, I have no siblings present. Uh, My name is Ben. That I know of. (laughs) My name is Ben, my pronouns are he, him, and I have a sibling present. And it's Rosie. Yay! Yay! We're twins. <laughs> We're the twin, not doctors. We are not doctors. Twin dilemma. Not... Twin dilemma. I fuck. <laughs> I think if I got Ben on for the twin dilemma, he really never would have watched Doctor Who ever again. That would have I, that would look, have jaded him. At some point, I feel like I need to watch it now. It's god awful. Do you? I've like, already we forgotten have... what your episode was. That so neither of us I'm can clean. act, and we would be better at acting than those two Ouch. boys are in that. Ouch. Like, you were great as Hotshot I mean, in the year two play, but you were only on oh stage God. for like 10 minutes. That's where this is going to go, isn't it? Yeah. We're going to segue into memories. Yeah. I'll just sit here and observe. But yes, Ben is here. Um, we're recording this quite far in advance. So by the time this episode comes out, he will have started his own podcast. Yeah, probably. Um, in theory. In theory. But we'll plug that at the end. We don't yes. want to segue too far. Yes. So, um, as you may have guessed, this episode we are we have watched the two doctors, which is our first multi-doctor story. Very exciting. God, it's so good. It's so good. So that is the two doctors we feature are six, played by Colin Baker, and two, played by Patrick Troughton. Two of my faves, and we have Jamie and Perry. It's so good. It's so good. When I was watching it yesterday, I messaged you saying, "I just adore Jamie. I want the best for Jamie. Jamie is my favorite." And you messaged me basically the same thing this morning, and it was a delight. 
Yeah, he's just... So good. He's so good. So, prior knowledge of this serial and era, obviously we have now seen... This is our third, sixth Doctor story on the podcast. Um, I had seen a bit of it before because I've owned the DVD for probably ten years. I just haven't watched it. Oh, you've been missing out for, ha- for a decade. I've been missing out for so long! Um, and then obviously, uh, We Adore 2 and Jamie, we've established this on the previous episode, which we've definitely already recorded on the moon base. Um, I'm sure we went into much detail about how much we love them. <laughs> um, Ben, what's your previous knowledge of these characters? And also just Classic Who in general. Yes. Let, let's, yes. let's do that as well. Classic Classic Who I've always preferred over New Who. Because it hasn't rocks. translated into me. Yeah, it hasn't translated me into really watching a lot of it ever since moving away from home. Um, so I dive in every now and again, which means sort of take take Rosie's early exposure to Doctor Who, and I had the exact same. Um, anything yeah. else, very <laughs> anything else, very different. So I've definitely yeah. seen a lot of, of Patrick Trout and Doctor, and he's adorable. Yes. Um, mm. Number six, I don't know if I've seen a lot of. Um, we would have. We would have. I think we caught like one episode of of six on the doctor who omnibus once and we were like this isn't mm. sylvester mccoy yeah who is this <laughs> who is this coat man um okay firstly he's not secondly he's great yes i remember when uh they found web of fear and enemy of the world i did watch web of fear in the playroom and you were there on the computer so you might have vague memories right. of that vague <laughs> maybe did you come you'd to remember the if it was enemy watch... of the world did you come to the cinema to watch day of the doctor Ben? i genuinely don't remember no but i think i i think i have seen it um but yeah. i didn't come to the cinema because yeah, i was, was in great. my like uh doctor who suck mode oh. and then i grew up yeah, yeah, and then you grew up and realised that Classic Who fucks, actually. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Give me some of that dumb sci-fi. Yeah. But yeah, Six was never part of our lexicon growing up. I think because Mum was... Mum's not like... Like, Colin Baker's great, but there's not many of his stories. And Mum was always more of a seven and three person. Um, That's fair. Um, I think Six is the one I just wanted to devour in terms of content. <laughs> um, not in terms of actually... Not in terms of being an androgyn. Sure we'll yeah. you, an- you didn't androgyn six. Um, yet um he's just such a delight to watch he's so good consistently so good i was uh digging through the doctor who magazine archive as i want to do and one of the articles said as six is the most similar to two in temperament and i went oh my god he is yeah he really is they're such good foils for each other like he's a he's a little bit meaner because they never quite pitch the meanness correctly with six until they get to the audios no Um, no they really don't yeah (laughs) i don't know um it depends Trial on the Trial of a serial. Time Lord. They get it there. Uh, yeah, the... but that's, that's like the end of his, his run. They finished. It shouldn't have been the end of his run. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And we'll get to that later. This is I'm not sure. our Trial of a Time Lord on This is not our Trial of a Time Lord epic. We'll have to do like War Games and Trial of a Time Lord as like five parters because oh my god. Event. They can yes. be your they can be like your Christmas and summer like blockbuster episodes. Yeah. I think this Ooh. one's gonna come out around Christmas probably. I don't know. It is, oh, yeah. Christ, god. Really? So a many happy Christmas. We're really good at podcasting. Really good Should at I podcasting. Should I get some like bells from somewhere? <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll sing <laughs> I want help? um I wanna spend my Christmas with a Dalek. We can just hum that at the end. Yeah. Um God, I have so many okay, we need to start this recap because otherwise I'm just gonna we talk do. about all Shall the two magazine articles in? I've read today. Please do. Okay, let's talk about the two doctors the doctor has teamed up with himself before to save lives this time he must save his past self in order to ensure his own existence in his present what could chesney and dim-witted lucky shock have planned with the Santarans? only one thing is known for sure 
time will tell. Whoa. That's not the best synopsis I have ever heard. It's so good. I, wait, I I just presumed you wrote those. I was about to I was about to congratulate you. No, we still we steal just... them from Tardis Wiki. We steal them. Uh, sometimes we li- like li- little thieves. Sometimes we add stuff from Tardis Wiki. And Change sometimes the we grammar, edit that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Sometimes we live edit as we read it. This one is like longish, <laughs> but it's also like the equivalent of a six-parter. So they actually do need quite a lot of detail. Yes, a lot happens. A lot. Mm, happens. It does. Yeah. But yeah, I do actually really like the premise for this one, and I think it ticks along at a fairly good pace. Although some of it, I had to like cover my eyes because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> As I as as soon as it start for like the first ten minutes, I was trying to figure out if I was supposed to know what was going on. <laughs> um, and then as soon as I stopped thinking about that, it was great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not it's not a sh- it's not a serial that rewards thinking about it much. At least not no, until no. like not the beginning bit. Later on, you can start getting into like the themes. But for the first ten minutes, it's just oh my god, it's the second Doctor, and it is brilliant just to see him. So good. Shall you start? Yes, okay, episode one. The episode opens in black and white. Amazing. Um, I think they should have had the old style opening, but that's just me. That's just me. Yeah, it's a shame that they didn't have Troughton's face in it. Yeah, um, the second Doctor pilots the TARDIS as Jamie McCrimmon laments over the absence of their friend Victoria Waterfield and the possibility of them ever getting back to her. This is supposed to set it early in the second Doctor's run. (laughs) We will discuss how well that worked later. (laughs) Um, the dynamic is, of course, immediately perfect between the two of them. It's as if they haven't been apart for more than five minutes. Yeah, yeah they fall straight back into step. And you can sort of tell that both of their accents have changed a bit. Fraser's struggling with the Scottishness a yeah, bit more been than Yeah, he's been on Everdell and... Farm for like ten years, you know. <laughs> um, but it is just lovely to see. And again, to have so much of their physical commentary... Yeah, it's very good. Sorry, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to find the message Ben sent me yesterday when he started watching it. Besides talking about how spoiled his cat is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. It looks like a very good cat. Saturday, 6.37pm. Well, that got gay quickly. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Look at the size of that one. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, they brought it back! They brought it back! I was so pleased! Um, yes, Jamie, it is rather large, yeah, isn't Ben, it? for your... For you, Love for benefit that was an in joke between Fraser Hines and Patrick Troughton that they then squeezed into every serial they possibly could and that wasn't in the script for this one either oh, Fraser just insisted on it I love them I love them just so kept much. doing takes where, he, where yeah. he kept doing the joke and they were finally like okay weave it in yeah fine I am, yeah. I am okay. sad they couldn't bring Deborah Watling back but to be fair her character mm. was intended to be you know 14 so I guess it's trickier to have a 30 year old play a 14 year old on Doctor Who um, I mean Jamie's meant to be what like 21 at yeah, that most yeah let's not let's not talk about that till later we can talk about it later <laughs> um, the doctor reminds him that she's off studying graphology uh for some reason i guess she just wants to get more educated about stuff i think yeah, it's the study of to. handwriting yes Ooh. what were you gonna say ben cool that was all i wasn't gonna say anything oh just, yeah just let, ben... let her to go to school yeah, Ben knows Victoria from Tomb of the Cybermen, which we watched about 50 million times growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. Wondering where they're going, Jamie is informed by the Doctor that the Time Lords are sending them on a mission to Space Station Camera in the Third Zone. They've also installed a teleport control on the TARDIS that grants them dual control. You drilled a hole in my TARDIS! <laughs> <laughs> He's just so offended. It's just like Rebos. Rightfully it's so. It's just like Rebos. <laughs> oh, Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, and <laughs> they do the thing where Jamie reaches for something on the console and the Doctor slaps his hand away. Classic. Oh, classic yeah. bit. It's beautiful. Just a good time. Yeah, and then Six and Jamie do it later and it's like, oh, they're the same person. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, very sinister of the Time Lords, as always. They are very sinister people. Yes. I have so many thoughts about Two's comments on the Time Lords, considering everything that went down in his run. Yeah. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> talk about it when we get to the War Kings. <laughs> no, I mean literally later in this episode, because <laughs> we're going to have well... to. <laughs> it's finally arrived. It's finally arrived. Um, showing the image of their destination to Jamie, the Doctor hears him compare its size to 20 castles. The Doctor explains to Jamie that the station is a research facility and they are here to have a discreet word with Dastari, the head of projects. The station, well, the TARDIS materialises in the station kitchen where they make Shokai, the station cook. This is like the first five minutes. Shokai's aesthetic is... Questionable? Knives. His his aesthetic is knives. I thought he was a pirate Pantomime pirate. Yeah. Yeah. I think we also need to quickly mention... That instead of using any of the knives he has on his person, he gets a he just takes a knife off the table. Um, yeah, he to needs to have more knives. Yeah, well, he and he can have them. I think he only owns knives in that kitchen. Yeah, he's got a sword. He's got. It's such an odd costume. It's like a <laughs> pantomime costume almost of like yeah, yeah. fucking like a, like a bandit in like Dick Whittington or something would wear this outfit and the Androgons yes yeah have, that's it have these bushy red eyebrows and they've got rice crispy warts all over their face and that's the only indication that they're aliens it's very Star Trek of them actually I think um. <laughs> there's something I couldn't quite put my finger on it that the orange eyebrows reminded me of oh Wurzel Gummidge Oh yeah, Wurzel Gummidge. I was thinking about that one book. Ben, you may remember this book. The book about the guy with eyebrows so big he could fly. Oh yeah, yeah. And he flies away from home. Yeah. Yeah, he flies away from home. I feel like I have that on my That sounds wild. Probably. Um, Shokai is an androgum, a member of a primitive, emotionally and ethically bestial humanoid race who make up the station's workforce. (laughs) This is the, this is the, uh, the Robert Holmes, what are you trying to do with this Robert thing? Yeah, it's um, it's not his best commentary. It's interesting. It's more like a commentary on the nature of monsters in Doctor Who than it is a successful commentary on stereotyping. <laughs> and even then, is it a successful commentary on the nature of monsters in Doctor Who? I guess we can discuss it later. Yeah, on, on, only yeah. time can tell. Only time will tell! Oh my god! (laughs) Um, He is confrontational, angry that a ship has been landed in his kitchen until the Doctor reveals he is a Time Lord. Suddenly deferential, Shokai eyes Jamie hungrily and offers to buy him from the Doctor as the main ingredient for a meal. (laughs) It's horrific. Don't buy Jamie. Don't buy Jamie. The Doctor is so perplexed by this. He's like, no, that's that's my husband. Why would I sell my husband? That's my boy. That's my that's my baby boy. No, it's not baby boy. What am I speaking? That's my baby boy. My personal baby boy. The doctor's husband, but my baby boy. <laughs> the doctor, shocked, refuses. He takes Jamie away to see Dastari. As they leave, however, they hear the sound of the TARDIS dematerializing. Thanks, Time Lords. Mm. Yeah, I which Yeah. I didn't really understood understand what happened there. This this was the start of me trying to kind of it. suss out if this yeah, so they can just do that whenever. Yeah, that's what the teleporter control thing is for. It lets the Time Lords remotely control the TARDIS. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, they did not trust him it. at all. It reminds me, <laughs> it does remind me of the Key to Time, which, uh, as of the point of recording this, Ben won't have heard any of our episodes about Key to Time, but the, time, the, the Guardian of Time in that one can... Uh, send them like coordinates for things and they plug it into the into the TARDIS. So I think it's mm. a similar idea is that the Time Lords are able to control the TARDIS remotely through this module on the console. Um, and we'll discuss why they might have done that 
later in the episode. <laughs> I feel like it's going to come up a lot throughout all yes. of this. Yeah. yeah, it's it's complicated. Um, yeah, this is observed by Shesani, an androgram technologically augmented to mega genius levels. Her appearance has changed because of such. She looks like Serverland from Blake 7. <laughs> <laughs> Wild, which is a synonym. What, what, what could cause which is that? A, syn- a synonym for what they've actually written: an attractive human woman. Um, Chesney has plans of her own. They involve <laughs> someone named Stike, who will be arriving soon once Shokai's poisoned meal for their scientists take effect. She has also taken possession of the cart's Rhymer module. And then Ben has a note here that I'm intrigued by. Uh, yeah. So it, the the bulk the bulk of Dastari's work is a thing from science fiction where you make animals hyper intelligent, and it's called uplift. Um, oh. and from from the from the 15 minutes of research I did just before this, <laughs> uh, you see it in things like Planet of the Eight. So when they make eight real smart, and then they destroy the world. Spoilers for that. Um, and also the video game Spore. You can apparently uplift your spores. Oh yeah. Um, if that's what huh. you call them. Not sure Is... what that entails, but... There's one, like, really <laughs> fucked up ages. horror movie about it as well that's called, like, Spliced or something like that. It's got Adrian Brody in it. Um, I haven't watched it. <laughs> I was just reminded. But yeah, it's it, it's a thing that dates back to, like, H.G. Wells with The Island of Dr. Monroe, um, where he makes animals be real smart, and it's some kind of commentary on why people shouldn't do that. And I didn't yeah. really realise that people would okay. try and try and do that anyway. But you know, apparently Destari's into it and yeah, thinks it's a like, good idea. The theoretical uh redemptive reading of this story is that the Androgum is a commentary on how we as human viewers will immediately empathize more with people who look like like aliens that look like people than we will with aliens that look like Sontarans. Mm. Yeah. So the comparison to that with Planet of the Apes does help put it in context thank you ben ben has a media degree <laughs> no pro- no problem i have a media <laughs> degree i also don't necessarily agree with that reading of the andrew but we'll get to that oh no absolutely <laughs> we can talk about that's it. that's fair yeah the doctor speaks to dustari in his office he explains the time lords want carts and rhymers time experiments ended as if the wrong people had access to time travel the wrong people in quotation marks it would spell disaster <laughs> for the yes. entire universe the time lords have an official policy of neutrality which prevents them from getting directly involved because of such they've sent the doctor who has been exiled from their world to maintain deniability of ever being involved this reminds me of the mutants actually well just with, with, chucking with the, the doctor football. off to do their bidding yeah, yeah with yeah, the football with football. yeah <laughs> they, yes. they've been kicking the doctor and jamie around gallifrey for a hundred years yeah. <laughs> dastari introduces chesney the doctor is skeptical that augmentation can change her androgam nature he considers such tampering dangerous yet yeah, straight from the off too is extremely uh hostile to the androgams uh can't like, actually blame from the them. Very, very moment we see Shokai. They do threaten to they, eat. They do want Jamie. to eat everything. Oh no, which I know. I generally just, considered not I think a cool contrib- thing to do. I think it contributes to the the intentional uh, problematizing of aliens in Doctor Who that Robert Holmes is trying to do. I'm not saying it works. Mm. I'm saying that I think that's what he's trying to do by having all of the characters go. Androgums yeah. are not human, but having them look human. There's something there, I think. Mm. Again, I don't think it's his best. Yes. I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. I'll stop commenting yeah. <laughs> on it for now. No, it's fine. You can keep you can keep commenting yeah. on it. I'll just edit it out, and it'll be like you never said. Oh, that. great! You can censor me. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna censor you. I'm gonna deplatform you. Take it, Ben. Take it. Um, meanwhile, three Sontaran battle cruisers appear near the station on an intercept course. These battle cruisers look incredible. I love them. They, yeah, they're just, they're kind of blocky. They're just big, they, it makes me think about the um, the squeezy balls where it's in a net and if you squeeze it, it pops out. 
Yeah, either that or they didn't finish making the graphics because it does just look like sort of the wireframes you'd have that you'd then apply text. I like that version more, but I like that... I like the idea that that could be intentional. Yeah. Where was I? Before the station's defences act, we were talking about how good the, the Sontarans are, by which I mean I said how much I love it, and you both went, actually, they look like shit. I, no, but that's great, though. That's <laughs> yeah, what I come Yeah, it's good that they for. look bad. Exactly. We're not here for, like, deep they space They look as I would levels. expect them to. True. Before the station's defences are activated, Chesney incapacitates the technician on post and opens the docking bays. Back in the office, the Doctor warns that the distortions from the Kartz-Reimer experiments threaten the fabric of time. Dasturi refuses to order them ended. He accuses the Time Lords of not wanting another race to discover the secrets of time travel. True. <laughs> mm-hmm. The argument grows more heated. Dasturi grows faint and falls into a drugged stupor. Energy weapons begin to sound in the corridors and the Doctor orders Jamie to run as a Sontaran levels a gun at the Doctor. Oh my god! The trauma. The intensity. The trauma of it all. This, like, Patrick Troughton gives it his all this serial. The argument is very, very good. Um, yes. And obviously, like, everyone's having a great time making this. Everyone wants to be there, which makes it better to watch. Yes. Yes. yes that always oh, helps. So good. And they love this location filming in Sevilla. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they got to go on holiday. <laughs> the entire show is basically two and six go on holiday, stuff also happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Two goes on a lovely eating tour of Seville. Somewhere and somewhen else, the sixth doctor is fishing while Perry finishes dressing after trying to get a tan. He tries explaining that the river should be full of gumblejacks, a fish that tastes heavenly when cooked just right, cleaned, skinned, and pan fried in its own juices. The doctor packs up his fishing pole chair and umbrella and tells her it's time to leave. Now, this comes after he reels in the tiniest fish in the entire world, and it's so funny. It's very cute. Like, he says, Oh, it's a big, it's gonna be a big one, Perry, and then it comes out, and she's like, Oh, yeah, that must be what? It must weigh at least an ounce. Yeah. And he tells her to stop throwing the I stones. I love them. He tells her to stop throwing the stones, and she just keeps throwing them. And I'm like, yeah. yes, Perry. She, she just, she stares at him as she does as well. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> just daring him to try anything. Yeah. this is. I sort of love, yeah, that, that they're, they've got to the stage of their friendly ribbing at this point. Yes. Although it's still got somewhat of a barbed edge. <laughs> well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they'll get there eventually. <laughs> Vengeance on Varus, I think it worked quite well, which I think is before this, so I th- yeah. it must be the writing was all at the same time. Mm. Um, yes, he tells her it's time to leave. After returning to the TARDIS, Perry is startled as the sixth Doctor sways and collapses. Just as, back on the station, Jamie spies the second Doctor in a glass chamber, writhing in agony while a Sontaran manipulates controls. God, poor no. Jamie. Poor Jamie. Having another bad time. He's having a real time. This is baby yeah, this Jamie. This is no good, horrible, bad one. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In his TARDIS, the sixth Doctor awakens in a confused state. He starts talking about jelly babies in a recorder. He has had a vision of himself. It's so cute. I love the throwbacks. It's the, the throwbacks in this are very good. And it's it's fanservice-y, but it's still really, really good is the thing. It's great. Yes. But it's also not like obnoxious fanservice. Yeah. Um, but yes, he has had a vision of himself in his second incarnation being put to death. He realises this is impossible since he is still alive, but he is also concerned he may have died in the past and only exists now as a temporal anomaly. He decides to consult his old friend Dastari. Yeah, he gets out this, like, ticker tape of all of the doctors that he knows. Um, because Perry says, shouldn't you go and see a doctor? And he's like, what a stupid idea. And then, like, two minutes later, he's like, what a great (laughs) idea that was that I had. Which is... Perfect six. It's one of his many qualities, is just pretending that he thought of things. <laughs> <I>, okay. <laughs> qualities. One of his many qualities. Qualities, it doesn't have to be positive, Ben. Qualities can just be... 
<laughs> okay. You can have bad, good, qualities bad qualities. could just be a thing he has. Okay, I'll give you yes. that. That's fair. Thanks, Ben. That that means a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he gets on this ticker tape of all the doctors he knows and comes across Dastari and clearly doesn't remember this episode of Two's life at that moment. Because it's one of those yeah. Time Lord things, I guess, where their perception I of the past I guess he can't recall. Is... Yeah. It's interesting. I would love to actually, like, sit in a lecture about this on Gallifrey and how that works. Yeah, yeah, it'd be quite good. The TARDIS materialises on the station. Everything is dark. The smell of decay and death is everywhere. Six really goes in a little monologue about the stench of death here. Spooky. He's, ha- he's having a great time as soon as he realises the crime. Yeah, and Perry... And he's Perry's just straight like, out like, oh, great, a mystery soul. Yeah, and Perry's like, um, I don't like this actually, Doctor. I would like to go, I would like to go now. And he's like, but no, we have to solve the crime. Um, the station computer demands the Doctor leave and he figures out it's a computer because he doesn't like it. I think is the idea. It's just like I know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Because I fucking hate them. Yeah, it, it is. It's because it tells him not to do something, and that nothing other than a than an automated being would tell him not to something. You know. Yeah, God, we haven't actually come across mm. the Doctor's hatred for computers yet in the show, except possibly. Oh, what was I thinking of? Well, it come because it, it comes up. Uh, Zoe hates computers in the invasion, and then he hates computers in the war machines, and I think in the Crotons. <laughs> um, there's just so all ones we have not watched yet. Yeah, exactly. Those are just ones I know of, and I'm sure that there's more. Um, just any time the Doctor comes up against a hyper intelligent computer, he's like, "Well, I hate this. I'm going to smash it with a rock." <laughs> he's really a bit of a luddite <laughs> in his own way. I mean, this also sort of comes across when you've got like Romana One in the TARDIS. And talking yeah. about it as a vintage model and that sort of thing. <laughs> you drill so he's a hole bo- in my he's tardis. a boomer then, right? So oh, he's don't a Ben, no, no. <laughs> he's like <laughs> I don't I don't even know what the generations before that were called. The lost generation. The station computer demands the doctor leave. When he refuses, it tries to kill Perry and him by depressurizing the passageway. The doctor opens a hatch and drags his unconscious companion to another section. God. <laughs> They're really oh, which you mean it's perfect, right? It's just dragging Perry. He's like Perry. She, she gets carried a lot in this in this art uh, in this series. It's so we can see her like butt. Like a lot. Yeah. It's so like, we can see her butt. Yeah. Thanks, John Nathan Turner. John Nathan Turner knows what the straights want. I appreciate the fact none of the actors touched her butt though. They always are at least like either end. Yeah. Um, like there's at least that, and she does a very good job of pretending to be unconscious. She does. With, like, Dickler Bright very is great. She's also sloppy. pretending to be American, so you know there's a lot of pretending <laughs> she has to do. I think what she, in all her press she also had to pretend to be American yeah. and single yeah. outside of the show as well, yeah. which is John wild. John Nathan Turner made her pretend to be actually American. <laughs> Oh my god, that is very oof. He's that insane. Reminds me of it's something. something isn't he's it? such a bad gay. He's the worst gay. Oh, he is. I mean, he's not. He is a but man like... that. Bo- he is a man that belongs Ooh, in the studio something... here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Anyway, in Dastari's office, the Doctor discovers the scientist's day journal and the Time Lord's objections to the Cartwright experiments. He refuses to believe his people are responsible for the massacre. And he's like, "Why would anyone want to shut down these experiments? I can't imagine why anyone would want to shut down these experiments when he himself was the one who ordered the experiments to be shut down." Oh, I love Six. I love Six so much. He is is chaos. Maybe I'm extra vibing with Six because I'm chaos today. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Perry suggests someone is trying to frame the Time Lords to drive a wedge between them and the Third Zone governments. And then he says, wow, that's a really good idea, Perry. And it's like, oh, thanks. I was fully (laughs) expecting him to steal her idea again. So good on him for actually being like, yeah, that makes sense, you know? I think half the time he genuinely forgets that it was her idea. <laughs> I, it, it does come with that vibe. Yeah. 
They leave the office to enter the service ducts, work their way to the control centre and try to deactivate the computer before it kills them. It really looks like the Windows 98 pipe screensaver. It does. I did expect it oh to God, move. Oh god, it does. Just, just at Thank some point, just kind of wiggle out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It's a whole thing. On Earth, and they never explain how they get to Earth. <laughs> no, they're just there. Yeah, Shesson I mean, they Shokai... own spaceships, right? Yeah, but is it? Do they go through a time corridor? Like the Sontarans have time corridor technology, as much, as far as I remember. From I did, I didn't think is that time. I'd I'd always they don't this have... all took place in the same period of time. I think it's supposed to, but it's sometimes hard to tell. <laughs> it is yes, sometimes yes. Hard in to a tell. show with time travel when they don't when they don't have really dumb like putting the putting the year on the screen whenever a yeah. scene changes. Yeah, I mean, mm. thank God they don't do that. <laughs> I'm glad they don't. It would be very distracting. I mean, I think they do it sometimes in New Who, and it's like, no, that's not what Doctor I, Who is. That's not would the you point. That? You just, just have to Doctor keep Who guessing. Is. You just have to believe it. Don't you just hold have to say. You have to have travel. the Doctor come out of the TARDIS and go, wow, it's beautiful Melbourne, 1932. Like, yes. <laughs> possibly. And then you're left with that nice deniability, so it's always present, <laughs> and therefore Doctor Who becomes timeless. Indeed. <laughs> exactly. But yes, on Earth, Shesani, Shokai, and a Sontaran, Major Val, sees a Spanish hacienda killing its aged owner, Doña Arana. Doña Arana? I can't. I, I, I don't speak Spanish. It's about right. Ben did GCSE Spanish. I did GCSE Spanish. Nice. I got like a C. So uh, let me let, hey. let, let me give it a stab. Where is it? Okay. It's uh, uh, that, God, didn't that didn't help. That didn't help. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah, D- Doña Arana. Something like that. Uh, yeah. She is killed about two seconds after she comes on screen, but she's a named woman. <laughs> she is a yes. named woman. Um, Add it to but- the board. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Val sets up a beak. It's it's my board of um, Doctor Who ladies I can ship together, and I have to like link them up with string. Um, and there's so few of them. There are so few of them. Val sets up a beacon for the Sontaran ship. Chesney absorbs the knowledge of the old woman's mind, learning they are in Andalusia, just outside Sevilla. 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 Uh, yes, yeah, Sevilla. You have you been to if memory Sevilla, serves? Though? I've been to Barcelona. Maybe I've been to Seville. Let's call it Seville. Let's call it Seville. I think Seville is what it's called in Anglican. It is. Uh, Val announces Group Marshal Stike of the 9th Sontaran Battle Group is in orbit. Let's talk about the Sontarans for a second. (laughs) Okay, go on, please. So, (laughs) tell me. We haven't encountered the Sontarans before. This episode was slotted into the schedule uh, ahead of the Sontaran experiment, which is next episode. Um, Oh, nice. The Sontaran double bound. The Sontaran design in the classic series deteriorates before it gets better, and this is a point at which it is at its, I would say, close to worst. Most potato-y. Um, the new series Sontarans are greatly helped by the fact that like latex prosthetics for the face have come on a long way, because in this it literally looks like they've stuck the rubber around the mouths of the actors and nothing else is moving, <laughs> and that's it. Oh yeah, and no, now you so, get, like... so on some of the on some of the close-ups, you can see inside their mouths the lips are moving. Yeah, and um. it works. That works better with like the Mondasian Cybermen, where you're like, "Oh, that's horrible that the Cybermen like bodies are still mm. in there, even though they've been taken over by yeah. the metal." But with the Sontarans, it's like, "Hang on, is this like fucking Mestor being a sleep, <laughs> being a sleeping bag with his Ugh. face extruding from inside the sleeping bag slug outfit?" You just expect him to kind of like pull some little arms up and like peel the head off from the inside. Yeah, like the, like the Nyman design was supposed to. Like the Nyman design. That would have been good. Oh. God, I'm just proud I remember yeah, so the Sontarans are just. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad that that's stayed and will haunt you forever. But yeah, so the Sontarans. This is our first time we've encountered them. They are a recurring Doctor Who enemy. 
they're not like the they're, they're not the main villain of this story, but I think they work quite well as a supporting enemy. Mm. They um how would I describe? You see, from a storytelling point of view, I'm not entirely sure why they're there. Uh, because John Nathan Turner asked Robert Hope to put them in. <laughs> from a storytelling perspective, I don't know why John Nathan Turner would do that. <laughs> from a from a storytelling perspective, I don't know why John Nathan Turner did anything. <laughs> Um, John Nathan Turner yeah. was the showrunner at the time then. <laughs> I, I, I have inferred that. Um, I just want to clarify. I kind of figured that out. I put the pieces yeah. together. Yeah. <laughs> You've connected, connected the, the dots. dots. <laughs> <laughs> I connected them. Uh. Okay, let me close my squeezy ball with Nat Google search. Uh, <laughs> no, that's crucial to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we need that for later. It's very important I look at it. Hey, we should get branded ones. Meanwhile, Oscar Botchaby and Anita approach the grounds. Oscar, an English ex-stage actor who is running a restaurant in the city, is here to catch moths, armed with a net and a cyanide killing jar. <laughs> He's a perfect Doctor Who Again, side character. this just comes out of the fucking blue. I love it. Uh, yeah, now nah, this really, man is great. This man this is... This man's great. He looks like a fucking of like Monty Python extra. He looks <laughs> yeah. like he's he's wandered he in does. from a sketch he... comedy show in the 1970s. Like, do you remember the American duo in Delta and the Bannermen? Yes. It's like the anglicised version of that yeah. character. But except he has slightly more to do. Because the, the American duo in Delta and the Bannermen just there. kind of appear at the beginning and then they occasionally pop up when they need to fill time. And then at the end they get to know about and the And they're UFO. meant to be funny, but I didn't get it. Yeah. yeah. God, I love this show. Yeah. <laughs> Any American accent is automatically assumed to be funny, unless it's Nicola Bryant's. Um... Right. Anita and he see the Sontaran ship zoom overhead and through binoculars observe Dastari and another Sontaran carrying an unconscious second doctor towards the Hacienda. Anita pulls Oscar along, thinking them victims of an aeroplane crash who need help. I like Anita. She's not in it very much, but she's good. No. She is very good. Yes. She deserves better. She does she deserve just wants better. To go on an adventure, I feel you know? She just I'm so sorry that she's in love with a gay man, you know? Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean so sad. me at most my exes. Yeah, like Oscar Botchaby, there's some indication of a scandal that has prevented him from acting, and I must know what it is. I must know what it is. Oh yeah, because like, he he's on the cottaging? bad side of the yeah, he he's on the bad side of the <laughs> British consulate or something. Yeah, and that could mean all manner of sins. I bet he was just it nice really to somebody. Could. That usually is what does it. Yeah, yeah. All right. In the bowels of the station, the Sixth Doctor tries to disconnect the main circuit to prevent the computer from attacking them again. Suddenly, Perry is attacked by a humanoid in rags. Her cries distract the Doctor. He is hit by a gas trap and falls unconscious, ensnared in the wires. Dun dun dun! Now, I immediately guessed who this humanoid in rags was. Anyone else? (laughs) Anyone else guess? Yes. I I appreciate the fact they just were like, Jamie, for for this scene... You have to just moan random. You have to. For this scene, you must wear trousers. Actually, no. I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) No. Why? Um, I think we also need to appreciate Sick Doctor sort of hacking the computer in that he just removes tiny battery and then spends five (laughs) minutes being like, "What does? I don't remember what Blue does. Eh, I'll just take it anyway. (laughs) It's probably probably does something." Can't be anything bad. No, no, Perry. I don't need help. <laughs> I'm trained at this. Uh, this one. It's fine. Uh, I think there are a couple of really great lines from this episode that I would like to highlight. Yes. I think of this bit where Perry says to the sick doctor, circular logic will only make you dizzy. Yes. Is That's yes. so good. Beautiful. <laughs> so, he just looks at her for a second and doesn't quite figure it out. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so good. Um, and there's another bit where um, two calls Jamie a hairy-legged Highlander, and Jamie yep. responds with something about admiring his diplomatic skills. Yes. Yeah. And, oh my god. Yeah. And oh, they say it in unison. around the gar- galaxy. They say it in unison. And it's, it's so, so good. good. I've got it noted down later in the gay segment, of course. Nice, 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 nice. Cool, shall we jump on to episode two? Yes, okay. So, Perry knocks out her attacker and frees the sixth doctor, who saved himself by shutting off his respiratory passages, as you do. Yeah, classic. Um, Classic Gallifreyan. This is yet another (laughs) example of Gallifreyan biology being complete bullshit. Complete bullshit. Like, to be fair... Hey. To be fair, Romana 2 shuts off her heartbeat. Like, she slows her heartbeat down to, like, one beat a minute in Destiny. So we've we've established that mm. they can control their circulatory system. It's just also bullshit. But shutting off their respiration... Surely if you were still respiring, had, yeah. your circulation no, would be yeah. fine. If you stop respiring, you're going to have some problems. Well, no, because he can respire in other ways. Like, he was also breathing. He just doesn't feel the need to share hell. <laughs> uh, Does he have gills? He might have probably, gills. He either has gills or it was through his butt. <laughs> uh, well, so he disconnects the computer's circuits. They find that Perry's attacker is a half-delirious <laughs> Jamie yes. who's been hiding all the while. Jamie moans that they killed the doctor and they, he immediately under hypnosis. Jamie and it's so... Oh my god. Jamie? He... <laughs> Oh, and he boy. says he remembers he was always um, rather fond of Jamie. And you're like, yeah, you were. It's so beautiful. We know. You're in love. Yeah. Under, hypnoti- Under hypnosis, <laughs> he tells the sixth doctor what has transpired, giving a description that the doctor recognises as the Sontarans. Do you like my emphasis on under Reta- hypnosis? It's bolded. It's underlined. You've added, I think, seven exclamation yep. marks. We finally you. got back to <laughs> hypnosis. I don't remember when the last one was. It feels like it's been ages. It wasn't too long ago. Fe- I mean, we haven't recorded in a while. I don't think it was. Returning to the office to examine the station records, the doctor suddenly sees Perry in the glass tube writhing in pain. As he frantically works the controls, the person in the tube changes from Perry to Dastari to the second doctor and even to himself. Oh. Which is creepy. Yeah. It's... Interesting. When, when Jamie and Perry return to the office, the sixth doctor explains that what Jamie saw was an illusion designed to make people believe the doctor was dead and not investigate further. The animator had been left on and captured Perry's image. This is so interesting. Which is a cool concept. I and, like it. And also, this, I wish they spent more time on it. This cuts out a whole bit where the doctor becomes convinced that he is about to disappear from the time street. Yeah, like, I was well, about to say. Perhaps if yeah. the moment when we were traveling through time was also the moment of this time anomaly created by Karts and Reimer, then I could be a temporal anomaly. <laughs> he writes an entire. He writes an entirely different Doctor Who episode that I do also want to watch yeah like he gets stuck in a time loop and he has to figure out how to get out of it but he might die if he's out of it like i know that there is a time loop in is it hellbent or heaven sent there's like a billions of year long time loop that 12 is stuck in but i haven't seen it so i feel like there must be a lot of time loops. so only there are a handful of time related time travel stories you can do and one of them is oh no i've done this already yeah oh i've got it yes but if i arrived here during a time experiment caught in an embolism and therefore outside the time flow but if i were dead then and here now it means that i was at the very epicenter of the engulfing chaos um, <laughs> oh, yeah, and perry think, goes as she the... often does i don't understand he thinks the entire he thinks the he talks about how the entire universe will be destroyed and perry's like but how long will that take and he's just like a few centuries it looks so haunted and she's like oh that's fine then i'll go and see <laughs> jamie <laughs> 
And he just sits yeah. there for a second, comprehending, like, how she'll <laughs> die soon and he won't. It's so weird. It's totally. so weird, like... Very dramatic. Six, six feels things very deeply. Everything that he feels, he feels at a factor of about three hundred percent. I can appreciate that. Maybe this is why I like relate to him. So he seems much. to me. He seems he seems the most human out of the doctors I've come across. Yeah, because he just spends all of his time being like, I don't really. Okay, fine. I think two and six have that in common, actually. Like they're both very mm, much yeah. like not the not the hero necessarily. Although six goes further with that than two does. This means the second Doctor is a prisoner. The sixth Doctor deduces <gasps> the Santarans kidnapped Dastari as well. Dastari is the only biogeneticist in the galaxy who can isolate the symbiotic nuclei of a Time Lord, somehow, yep. which gives them the molecular stability to travel I through time. I liked that uh, Perry notes about symbiosis, because she is a botanist, so she'd know about symbiosis. Yeah. yeah, she was asking some questions. I don't know if it was this bit or a bit later on, and I was like, Perry, you do plants. You know this. Perry, please. Yeah, no, she says, so that's how you control the Katardis, symbiosis. And I think she does just, she gets to just know what it is, which is like, yes, finally, that's she gets cool. to just know something. <laughs> know a thing. She doesn't go, well, what's that, Doctor? I don't understand. <laughs> For the 15th time this episode. <laughs> Given time travel, the Santarans will be unstoppable. Oh. The sixth Doctor puts himself into a telepathic trance to find his past incarnation. He wakes, having heard the sound of Santa Maria, the largest of the 25 bells at the Grand Cathedral of Seville. Boing! Please note Boing. the terrible Barber of Seville joke. It's such joke. a bad yeah. joke, I love it's it. It's such a bad joke. <laughs> I, think, I, think it's along the li- I think it's along the lines of he's like, oh, I'll go get my hair cut there. It, it reminds me of a haircut I had. And you're, yeah. like, it goes on whistling like the Barber of Seville music. That completely like, passed oh my me God, by. Uh, let's see what Chakatea has to say about I had it. To, yeah. Go on, go on. Hang on, let's see. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is also the source of one of my favourite quotes of the episode. Um, uh, so the doctor says, I'm not crotchety, I'm just, well, concerned <laughs> about myself chiefly. I mean him, languishing in some dark dungeon at the mercy of the Sontarans. And Perry says, you can't be sure he's in a dungeon. And the doctor says, when you've been locked in as many dungeons as I have, you wouldn't fail to recognise it. <laughs> Uh, this is also which is beautiful. Yeah, this is also when Jamie goes and puts his outfit on. You're like, oh, Jamie. He goes and finds a new kilt. It's great. Yes, <laughs> apparently this is based on his Highlander's outfit because after Highlander's, Polly like makes him a kilt. Apparently, that's how it works. Mm, that's adorable. It is very adorable. We love Polly. In the cellar of the hacienda, Dastari and Cassini set up the equipment. The second Doctor is drugged and passive. Dastari asks why they're on Earth, and Cassini says it's a convenient. It is conv- It is convenient for an attack strike plans for the Madillion cluster against the Rutan host, and Shokai wants to taste the flesh of humans. <gasps> Great. I love how there's two. There's there's one that seems like a very normal, like ah yes, it fits in with the villain's plan. Oh, and I guess my chef wants to cook and eat a man. <laughs> So, you know, it works for all of us. I just googled the Rutans because I've never seen them before. They're like green blob aliens. (laughs) They're just jellyfish aliens. Amazing. What the fuck? That sounds great. It does sound great. Why does Sontaran have beef with them then? They sound great. Uh, It's just one of those things. Apparently they were in a... Oh yeah, it's the the only time they get depicted in the TV story is Horror of Fang Rock. 
pretty cool. Oh my god, yes. I love horror of Angrok. Yeah. Cannot wait for it. So they, they, they do a bit um, of um, exposition about the Sontarans in case people had forgotten in the intervening five or six years since they last appeared. And about how they're in this never-ending stalemate against the Rutans and neither of the races can remember why they're at war. <laughs> You're like, oh no, not good. So Dastari heaps scorn upon Shokai's primitive urgence. He urges Chisene to remember she is beyond those now. Oh, is she? The TARDIS materialises near the hacienda. Oscar approaches... Is she? That was oddly late. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, Oscar approaches... Uh, Siri, no, I'm busy. <laughs> um, Oscar approaches it as the TARDIS crew emerge. He thinks it's a real police box and the Doctor and his companions are plain-clothed police officers, which is actually a really sensible um, point to arrive at. I... Um, <laughs> I mean, not in Spain, but... There's also the moment where Nietzsche says, oh no, but police is written in English. And he turns to us like, it's Interpol. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, so, okay. like, comedy character. He's, yeah, he's entertaining. Like, oh, yeah, we totally stumble, acro- stumble across a police box on a hill in the middle, like, beside an abandoned hacienda in Spain. We're going to find an English police box that have been obsolete for, like, a decade. It's because it's Interpol. Yeah. Duh. Duh. <laughs> to plop. Um, taking advantage of the mistake the doctor asks that Oscar lead him to the hacienda Dastari plans to dissect the second doctor's cell structure to isolate his symbiotic nuclei and give them to Chisene the second doctor calls him mad he protests that her barbaric androgum nature and the ability to time travel will mean there will be no limit to her evil the sixth doctor asks Perry to create a distraction at the hacienda's front door while he and Jamie enter the cellar via a passage from a nearby ice house Oh, Which is such a beautifully convoluted. It's so it's so like we're gonna split yeah. up so Perry... that we can switch the teams. <laughs> yeah, Perry interrupts Astari's operation. She poses as a lost American student. Okay, Chisene is suspicious, that's... but having I I claim that as inaccurate. Mm. She does not pretend to be lost. She somehow spends seemingly maybe ten minutes pretending that she's here finding somewhere for more American students to backpack. So she went and was like this place in the middle of nowhere. I'd like to bring friends here. And because <laughs> and because it's Jacini interviewing, it's that doesn't seem weird. Yeah. Like get, credits work <laughs> in the span in the span of like five seconds when the sixth doctor is like, go on, do a distraction. She's like, uh backpacking. <laughs> I love it. She's great. She's, She's great. very resourceful. She's great. Jacini gets Shokai to bring the second doctor through the hall, strapped to a wheelchair, to see if Perry reacts. She does not, for she has never seen the second doctor. Perry makes her excuses and leaves, but Shokai chases her anyway, eager for a meal, which they is... They just let him go, like, look, this is all... Just... He's such a one-note character. Yes. He is. I mean, he's and supposed he, to be a one-note character. Ti- but... Yeah, he has a great time yes. doing it. <laughs> yeah, the actor is giving it his all. He's like the guy in Reboss, whose name I don't remember because that serial's not very good. You know the guy? He goes, four of the clock and all's well! It was a long time ago. Meanwhile, the sixth Doctor and Jamie are in the cellar. The Doctor examines the Kart's Rhymer module, a prototype time machine modelled on Time Lord technology. He tells Jamie that once the module's Brio nebulizer is primed with his symbiotic nuclei, the Rathalon <gasps> Imprimatur, it will be safe for anyone to use. Unfortunately, the Sontarans have heard him. Outside, Shokai catches up to Perry. She trips and falls. Shokai looms over her, muttering with delight. And making <gasps> weird grabby Oh my hands. god! Like what there's a weird like wild camera, camera straight up pointed at him and he's reaching towards it like it's a little snack. It does sort of like the fact that they have this very big like the doctor's existence is at stake 
into Sailor Conflict, and this is what they're using for the second cliffhanger. Does feel a bit odd. Perry nearly gets. To be eaten. fair, I feel worrying. like I feel like I do care. Yeah, I feel like I do care if Perry gets eaten or not. Though. Oh, I care, like... but it just considering the stakes of the rest of it, it's yeah inconsistent. I think is what I'd say. Indeed. Episode three. God, the. I really hope that the delay in the audio sorts itself out because it's really throwing me off. <laughs> <laughs> like the last paragraph it sounded like you said he rassilon imprimatur rassilon imprim unfortunately outside shock trips and falls like it was so bad okay, <laughs> I don't know why bad. this is the only three 45 minute episode serial in doctor who history except mm-hmm. maybe utopia through to last of the time lords maybe that kind of counts as a three forty-five minute part but it's i'd say shaky evidence i don't know that that it's not advertised as the same story. And where does the beginning exactly. and end of the story start if not within the meta text? Like it's a three episode arc, but it's not a three episode serial in yes. the same way. So this is the only one. Yeah. It's basically a six part. This would be episode five and six together, which is why the summary is really long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, Shockeye knocks out Perry and brings her to the kitchen. In the cellar, Stike threatens to kill Jamie unless the sixth doctor gets into the module and primes it with his symbiotic print. The doctor does so. Stike is about to kill Jamie anyway, but Jamie stabs Stike's leg. Extremely good action Jamie content. Yeah. I love <laughs> Which is him. what we're all yeah, here yeah. for. I love him. He seemed so excited to use that as well. Yeah, he's so like he got to use it earlier in the first episode and in this episode, and it's like finally Jamie gets to actually stab someone with his knife, because in the sixties one he wasn't really allowed to do that. He could just threaten <laughs> people with it. Um <laughs> It's because that got the job done, you know? He never needs to do more than threat. <laughs> Speaking of knives, we watched the Eurovision movie last oh, night. Um, the story of Fire Saga. It's great. There's a bit when an elf throws a knife in the guy who runs the Bank of Iceland's back. Highly recommend. Wow. Wow. It is supposed. I've, I've heard. I've heard other good things about it. <laughs> it, it was just really is good. A very dumb movie. Yeah. It's yeah. It's exactly what you want from a Eurovision movie. Indeed. Uh, so yeah. So Jamie stabs Stike's leg. Anyway, this is not my yeah, Eurovision. It's podcast. not your Eurovision podcast. Uh, Jamie and the Doctor run upstairs where they find the second Doctor, and Jamie goes, "Doctor!" and it's like, "Oh my god, that's his. That's his husband." Um, before they can release the prisoner and escape, Shockeye shows up with the unconscious Perry. The second Doctor feigns unconsciousness while the others hide, and it's like, "No, he could have been freed." I also nobody notices that his chair has moved. Eh. Like they. They they move him to another room and everyone just walks past him like, oh, okay, I guess we did leave the doctor there. I mean, it it's not a show that cares that much about continuity. <laughs> Look, it's, 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 by it's, it's, it's not continuity. It's just, it's just Shockeye and Chesonet do not notice he's moved. I mean, they've got they've other got, things they've got in got their other mind. Stuff going. Like eating. Um, like some good yes. eats that are going yeah. on. While the sixth Doctor and Jamie watch from their hiding place, Chesonet voices her concerns. If a second Time Lord is involved, other Time Lords may come. She has a contingency plan. She asks Distari to implant the second Doctor with Shockeye's genetic material, turning the doctor into an androgum in her thrall absolutely insane plan i love it <laughs> like she's such a girl boss yeah, i did <laughs> okay she does gaslight she does gatekeep i did not expect this to be the direction this this went in i was like yeah this does make sense actually yeah like i vaguely knew that two got androgummed i was just kind of thinking it would happen earlier but no it's like 10 minutes into episode three they do this <laughs> They're like, they're Most like shit, of... we've run out of time. 
most uh, of two stuff that he gets to do is is angrily debating people while he's tied to a table and you're like oh oh two i've really like he does it excellently and it's really fun but it's also like he is just tied to a table for most of it until they put the ugly red mm. eyebrows on him um which really suit him it was like, yeah, yeah it was a, it was a good look it's odd um, a strong look. I don't know about a good one. Um, then they will eliminate the Sontarans. <laughs> However, Dostari and Chazanet do not know the module is primed and that outside, Stike is preparing to leave in it once Sontaran High Command has been notified. He will leave no survivors. He orders Val to set the Sontaran battlecraft self-destruct mechanism. <gasps> Interrupting Shokai before he slaughters Perry, Chazanet has him bring the second doctor to the cellar. There she stuns Shokai so Dostari can remove his genetic material. They never specify what they mean by this. It is unnerving. <laughs> yes, very. I yeah, not not my yeah. face. The sixth doctor revives Perry in the kitchen by throwing water on her face. She <laughs> looks around for a second and is like, "Great, <laughs> easy." Apparently, the first take of this went great, and then they did a second take without telling Nicola Bryant it had gone great, so that uh, Colin Baker could pour the entire jug of water over her head. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> Lovely. Oh boy, very serious. Yeah. Very serious show. Um, yeah, so he revives Perry in the kitchen and ushers Jamie and her away. The Sixth Doctor tells them what he revealed about the imprimatur in the cellar was not strictly true. He had heard Stike approaching and the speech was for the Sontaran's benefit. And he's like, he believed me because I was talking to you, Jamie. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Jamie clearly wanting to say, oh, I. <laughs> oh, oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're talking about, Doctor. Um, I've missed him. I've missed him so much. I love how naturally he just fits back into this wild yeah. show. And of course we did our episode on the moon base last week, so of course we watched the moon base last week. <laughs> We're definitely not recording out of order. <laughs> would never do to be fair, thing. he's barely in the moon base because he gets knocked out. <laughs> they didn't know what to do with him. Why would you say this to me after we've already recorded this I episode? I know, it's so mysterious that I would have to inform you about that. Um, but yeah, so... Sad. It's for my benefit, machine- right? It's for my because I haven't seen <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, Thank it's you. Um, <laughs> the moon base is great as well. It's got animation for two of the episodes. The animation whips. It's really good. Um, I do love the. I do love I'm very the. Excited I for do it. love the animation style they go with for the old last episode. Although there's some controversy about this new Web of Fear one. I haven't even seen the Web of Fear clip, um, but I'm intrigued. Does anyone want to take a quick break to just watch the Web of Fear? <laughs> just real quick we'll we'll then strap that podcast onto this one anyway if the um, po- yeah we'll, we'll not go into it's that like approaching. <laughs> um the machine worked for the doctor but will not for them because the doctor has taken the bryode nebulizer and I, the only thing i know about nebulizer is that's what makes things into clouds so a bryode nebulizer presumably makes bryodes mm. into clouds, but I don't know what a bryode is. Time cloud. Yeah. It if only we had cloud, Ian Chesterton here, he could tell us. He knows science. I'm googling bryode, but uh, I don't know how well that's going to work. <laughs> no, I don't mean bride. I mean bryode. <laughs> the bride nebulizer. Bride nebulizer. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's also a, a name apparently. Oh boy. God. Okay. Anyway, um, Dostari has implanted the second doctor with a 50% Androgum inheritance. So he's half Androgum on his mother's side, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> when Shokai wakes in a rage... And it will never be mentioned never again. Never mentioned again. When Shokai wakes in a rage, he finds a kindred spirit in the transformed doctor. They decide to go into the town to try the local cuisine. The doctor wakes up and is just like licking his lips, thinking about like roasted quail stuffed with cloves and stuff yeah he he starts just he starts like really nicely describing fancy food and shock is like tell me your secrets old man 
Yeah. <laughs> I want I yeah, want no. these two to have a Food Channel TV show. That's the vibe. Uh, the the, yes. the entire next section of this. That's the vibe I got for them. That I would just love yeah, them to like go to a restaurant. Go to go to restaurants and be like, give us all of your food. And they're like, what? All of it. And like, yes, all of it. And then cook yourself, sir. Yes. And that's it. They're just, yeah. <laughs> it would be great. I'd watch yeah, it. I'd... I'd watch several seasons of it. I'd watch the Gordon Ramsay uh, crossover episode, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they eat uh, him at the end. What a, what, what a yes. shame that was how he had to go. <laughs> he so died sad. as he... <laughs> he lived! He would have wanted. How does he lived? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I hope we've got oh enough boy. of the listenership by this point to get even like to get more fan art because I want someone to draw this. <laughs> Welcome to Andragum versus Food. Welcome to Man versus Andragum. <laughs> Man versus Andragum. <laughs> Surely that is still just Andragum versus Food. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to Mandragum versus Food. I mean Andragum Andragum are food to themselves, so then it's just food versus food. <laughs> Andra versus Gum. Um, wow. God. But yeah, so he wakes up, he's talking about caper in brandy sauce with a stuffing of black pudding made of lives, pig blood, herbs and pepper, and the breasts of the birds sh- should be slit and studded with truffles. And you're like, oh my god. Good lord, that's bitch. Yeah, much. it sounds insanely like 1800s French cooking. <laughs> it makes much more sense to know that this was meant to be set in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That does actually... Which would have been great, they just didn't have the budget. Mm. It was part of JNT's plan to actually start producing more Doctor Who over there, and they just could or, not do it. Or, yeah. conspiracy theory, they didn't want people to realise Perry was faking an American act. I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of people probably realised. I'll be honest, I, I was not one of those people. <laughs> I mean, she like yeah. it's fine. Like, it's American, recognisably, but it's not a specific any specific American accent. It's, it's just kind of you hear American. it and you go... It's part of the sort of thing... If you are American, you probably hear it and go, okay. Much like if we hear somebody putting on a British accent and it's not quite right or the regionalizations are wrong, we're like, wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a minute. I don't think this Nicola Bryant character is American at all. <laughs> <laughs> wait. She's so nice. God. And she she rocks as Perry. Like, she's really good as Perry. It's just that all she gets to do a lot of the time is go, Doctor! <laughs> doctor! Doctor, stop! Doctor! I've I've also been on down on the farm, yeah. Doctor. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, in the meantime, Dastari lures the Sontarans into the cellar while uh, the second Doctor and Shokai are having their man versus food tour of Seville. Um, yes, Chesney well, attacks just, them with two characters. Yeah, yeah, Chesney. Yeah, they just wander off arm in arm with top hats on. It's so good. Yeah, wait, no, <laughs> Where did I've they forgotten get the about hat? that. They just get top hats and tailcoats from somewhere. <laughs> it's beautiful it's everything <laughs> like it's so perfect good. like apparently Do- uh, what Do- don adonia just had apparently a lot well, of gentlemen I think it was pawns, her, I guess. like her husband had died or something and she was looking after the house like someone had, the owner of the house i prefer, had died, I I prefer gentlemen she was looking callers. after it so i guess all of his stuff was still there yeah gentlemen callers also yeah. like they find that <laughs> like, like some really racy underwear yeah <laughs> which they yeah. are wearing. yeah of course you can't wear a, a tailcoat without racy Look, it's underwear. a lad's yeah and it's it's, it's a lad's night out you gotta do some laddish stuff <laughs> it's a stag do like yes. like top hats and lingerie <laughs> party on top and down below 
Chazenay attacks them with two canisters of coronic acid. Val is killed, but Stike, though wounded, escapes. This this injury is fucked up. He's basically melting into green goo. Like it's so gross. Woof. Hmm. It's, it's not yeah, good. he tries to use the module, but without the nebulizer, it severely burns him. Stike staggers towards his battlecraft, forgetting about the self-destruct. The ship explodes, taking him with it. Oh, the drama. Poor Stike, honestly. Yeah, poor Stike. He ju- All he yeah. wanted to do Serves was better. go and kill someone in space. Yeah. And uh, where did that get him, you know? <laughs> Dead. Poor Santaran. <laughs> what will the ninth battle group do without him, you know? Indeed. Can they cope without their major? I mean, they'll clone another one, presumably. Oh, okay then. Um, the sixth Doctor Perry and Jamie follow the second Doctor and Shockeye into Seville, hoping to cure him before the change becomes complete and affects the sixth Doctor as well. Oh yeah, because they see them uh, steal a, a lorry, and Shockeye just kills the guy who was driving it, and Jamie's like, "That doesn't yeah. seem like my Doctor just standing by while someone gets murdered." And it's like, "No, it, it doesn't." <laughs> no, that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really. Does it? Because. They're both, they're both now being affected by the Andrigam DNA, like two to more of an extent, but six is like, by the time it gets to me, it'll be 100%, which is not how inheritance works. It's not how inheritance works in any way. Maybe it is for Andrigams. Hey, we did go into Time Lord biology oh, earlier. God. We don't God, know. I mean, I'd, I'd presumed it was a, I would hate yeah, it. Yeah, it would be a mess. It would be full of contradiction. But I presume this was more about just like the flow of time. So it eventually catches up to him. So whilst the sixth doctor is going through these changes, every other doctor between him and two is also going through these changes at the same time. Um, so you just have John, you just have John Pertwee in a unit at HQ suddenly being like, you know what I could go for? <laughs> he just a eats cat. the brigadier. <laughs> yes. Wait, so this is so this is the zombie doctor plot line. This is basically. this is Marvel zombies, but it's the <laughs> <Yeah>. doctor. <laughs> it's the doctor. <laughs> oh my god! Who, who? Which one's five? You're gonna eat first, Adric? I think they would all just eat. <laughs> no, Adric. my precious child. They go for the youngest. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew has such a hard life and it ends with being eaten by an Andrew doctor. <laughs> His tender, lean oh, skin. babe. His poor little soft baby cheeks. Oh, This is gone. And all that's left on the plate is his little style of mathematical excellence. <laughs> it's been broken in half in the scuffle. I feel like, I've, like, you know, I feel like I've started something horrible. cannibalized he just keeps getting cannibalized you know i didn't realize that would be a character trait that i now want to experience but i guess i'm here now <laughs> wait for adric or for oh, you for adric ben you you've got to read him? you've got to read moritz it's such a fucked up short story it's so is that the up. is that the one where they're stuck in a castle and they eat people? in a ca- in a castle made of bones yeah <laughs> yes yeah i remember that from your yeah. podcast and i was just yeah. there like wow doctor who is fucked yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> EU is where people go, okay, how do we fuck okay, up? Yeah, so it's what, incredible. So now how do we little, take the implications of this to the absolute furthest they could possibly go and then make it worse? <laughs> because, I mean, little kids don't read books, so, like, I can do whatever right now. Yeah, like, imagine being, like, an eight-year-old in, like, 1990-whatever. You're watching the VHS as a Doctor Who for the first time. You go out and go, oh, I'll buy the short story collection. And in the short story collection, it's like, Ian experiences torture in Afghanistan and... Adric gets eaten a million nobody times. Nobody has over. faces. <laughs> and nobody I mean, has they faces. Probably just, they probably just go and make torch, right? <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that the Torchwood. Torchwood is not a fucked up. Torchwood is just horny. Torchwood is just a horny no. show. 
it's, it's, I never would have. I never would have guessed from seeing the Cyber Woman. Never would have guessed that was a never horny would have TV show. That they had. That they were horny. Um. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> the story and Chesney are seeking the two of them, knowing that unless the second Doctor undergoes a second stabilizing operation, he will eventually reject the androgram transfusion, which is like, I mean, fair enough, I suppose. <laughs> like, it's already science bullshit. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> I guess maybe I they're going to add the other 50% of androgram. <laughs> yeah, know. I don't... <laughs> but then where does all the time lord From go? From a story perspective, I don't get why they have this line then, because then it takes away all drama of there being a race to find um, because therefore you as the audience know that all that has to happen is just the clock gets weighted out which it then does mm. um, yeah like it would make sense if it was later they have to get him away from Shokai before the time ends or whatever but then not, like not it's even not Shokai because Shokai is just being like oh yeah Shokai is like defected because he's really angry at Shesney for <laughs> betraying they... the quant the quantsing Grig I can't speak quantsing Grig yeah <laughs> Which apparently is you don't don't tase your fellow Androgum and then perform crackpot science experiments on them. Which you know. Well, she's a class fair. traitor. Oh, that's a oh, fair also code. that. <laughs> okay, now we've got the Robert Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the second Doctor in Shokai goes to go to Oscar's restaurant. Now it's not Oscar's restaurant. He's managing it for a friend who owns the restaurant, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. Perry. Who is Perry? Oscar says is it's Mr. Oscar's Mr. Restaurant. Botchaby, the actor. No, I know who Oscar is. I'm just as- asking, how does he get himself into these situations? I think it's like, it's who like 80s actor, down on his luck. His friend is like, come and live in my hotel in Seville so that you can get get the cops off your back for the, like, Should we put... whatever, whatever crime or art. And that's why he jumps committed. into it being Interpol. Yeah. We, should probably put, we should probably put quotation marks around friend. Um, yeah. Like, quick, come, come babysit my restaurant for me, please. <laughs> I have to. I have to go do something. Yeah, we never find out who this friend is. Um, it doesn't really matter. He may as well have just owned the There's restaurant. There's potential for a rich backstory. It's just that here. they wanted him to be a yeah. lepidopterist, and they were like, "Well, a restaurant owner can't be a lepidopterist because they have to Actually, have a yeah, metaphor that's just about." Know. They have to have a metaphor about well, moths. It's really important they have a metaphor about moths. I mean, also to be fair, he's an amateur lepidopterist. Yeah, he put all of it like not, he went no, to I mean, there's not many school. professional lepidopterists. Let's be honest. I, look, museums need oh, them. I know right? quite a few. I'm sure. I'm sure if I went on JSTOR and I searched for like lepidostry lepidopterist uh, papers, yeah. I'd I'd find a fair few big names in moth science. <laughs> And only okay, some of them second. would be moth related. Who are the big names in moth science? I must know. <laughs> we have to know now. It just makes me think about all of those drawers of uh, pinned moths and butterflies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, someone has to get those ready there. And apparently Lepid that's with cyanide. <laughs> God. Okay, we must know. Oh my god, apparently the other name for a lepidopterist is an Aurelian, which is such a good name and sounds like a Doctor Who alien. Yeah. Notable lepidopterists... But those are probably all dead. Uh, let's have a look. Let's be real. That's very look. No, I I was, bet I bet the top was, one is alive and well now. Was damn was, it. <laughs> was no. Was, that's just because you've got it. That's just because you've got was, it in descending in a, in ascending order of years. Was was was. <laughs> Scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll find the next. You'll find the next There's hottest There's not many beds. Was no was. <laughs> okay, so I've got onto the Lepidopterist Society, and Marianne Horak is the current president. Before her, it was Philip James DeVries. Oh, she has a Wikipedia page. So they exist. She does. <laughs> She's a Swedish epi- um, entomologist. 
who specialises a Swiss Austrian. She is one of the worldwide leading experts on the systematics of Tortricidae. Tortricidae? I have no, I have no context, really. Yeah. <laughs> but really, therefore, what we need to do now is is wrap up this this serial and send it to them and get their opinion. <laughs> their opinion on all they'll the moths give us, that appear in this episode. They'll give There's us the so answer to the que- They'll give us the the answer to the question. I think I asked at the start of this, and I don't remember what it was. <laughs> Well, they can answer how cyanide uh, is used to kill moths. I presume I presume that kind of asks and answers itself. Yeah, I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's cyanide. You can't kill an andrigan so with cyanide. they but... go to Oscar's restaurant, which he manages when he's not being an amateur slash professional <laughs> lepidopterist. We don't know for sure. They order gargantuan <laughs> oh. <laughs> amounts of food. When Oscar demands they pay, Shokai stabs and kills him. Although, let's be honest, he he doesn't die for quite a long time. He also, like, Shokai does try to pay him, just not with, with money. 20 nogs. A 20 yeah. nog note. A 20 nog note. You can exchange <laughs> that in nine planets. Just as the sixth doctor and the others arrive. Um, and Anita is, like, distressed. She's called an ambulance and, and Oscar is like, I think it's time for old Botchaby to exit stage right or whatever. And you're like, mate, just go to the hospital. Like he he's been stabbed in his stomach or something. Yeah. He also they quotes probably Hamlet. Sort him out. Like there's not a lot of blood because it's Doctor Who. Um, and they didn't, like after Attack of the Cybermen, they used up their blood budget for the year. It clearly got him in his acting organ, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the organ all uh, It was by now. his heart. Was it? It looked low to me. <laughs> it looked quite low down the chest. That's where actors... Oh, yeah. like Vulcans. Yes. <laughs> um, shot, yeah, so just as the sixth Doctor and the others arrive, <laughs> and then they all go and they're like, tearfully, Perry is like, we'll all be there on, for your like debut on the stage, and then he dies. <laughs> Um, yeah. leaves behind the second doctor who slowly reverts to normal. All of them leave the restaurant to the distraught Anita. Chesney and Dastari arrive to take them back to the hacienda at gunpoint. As Ben has noted, only Perry is the one that cares that they saw a corpse. I've also just remembered that the sixth doctor very much sticks to the bit about being an Interpol agent and pretends to arrest the second doctor. Yes, he, um, he loves this bit. He loves this bit so much. So, he had so much fun playing detective in this in this series. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they start arguing amongst themselves. They're like, no, we'll go this way. It's like, no, I say we'll go this way. And Perry just stops up like a man has died. We're going this way and leaves. Yeah, and, and then her awesome moment is her. immediately ruined by Chesney turning up and going, actually, no, you're coming with us. <laughs> Look, oh, it I just meant Chesney. she had the most. She had the most boss energy during the scene. Yeah, that's Perry the rules of storytelling. Yep. Um, Chesney and Dastari find the nebulizer missing. The sixth Doctor tells them how he primed the machine for Stike. To test the Doctor's claim, they replace the nebulizer and send Perry on a trip with the module, and she survives. She looks very worried, and Six just gives her like a nod and a wink, and he's like, "It'll be fine. It'll be fine." Um, I appreciate that. That's a ni- that's a nice thing he does. <laughs> Chesney gives Shokai mm. permission to eat Jamie. He does do them sometimes. Absolutely insane scene. Um, the Androgram takes him to the kitchen. Alone for the moment, the Sixth Doctor smugly confirms the second suspicions. The nebulizer is sabotaged with an interface layer so thin it would only work once for Perry. I love okay, so- when Six is Two is like, wow, that's almost as clever as I am. <laughs> I feel... Okay, so back to Time Lord Biology for a second. I bet he just licked oh, yes. the um he licked the part. That's yeah, how he, he sabotaged it. Like yeah. he had that for long enough to be like, how can I put my DNA onto this in a way that it will be used up very quickly? I know, and he just like takes mm. a big old 
Yeah, and the rustle in Primature is Sean. like a tiny Rassilon symbol that's in every nucleus of Time Lord DNA. Yeah. <laughs> like Time Lord cells. There's just a tiny Rassilon print. How? That's what the Timeless Children did. They just laid And not it. even like Rassilon's like the... logo. It's actually just like his face. <laughs> it's, the little, it's the little statue face of him from the Five Doctors. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, Five Doctors, another classic French family. Uh, That's I do love the Five Doctors. Uh, it's so good. So I good. I do love the person that shoots the person in a morph suit that shoots harpoons. Yep, perfect, perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect Doctor perfect Who alien. I Ben, Ben, I recently acquired the Big Finish side story to the Five Doctors called the Five Companions, which I paid an extortionate amount of money for, and it is almost exactly as good as the five doctors in exactly the same okay. way it's so i'm very good. jealous i did wonder what they got up to during this it's got ian and <laughs> Stephen and polly and sarah kingdom and nissa and you're like oh my god nice that's a that's a good a avengers level crossover and i have a birthday present to send <laughs> a very late but i haven't managed to get to the post <laughs> office yet would you like to know what it is a mm, it's fine go it's, on uh the the maltese penguin frobisher audio <laughs> You've got to put him in every episode of this podcast. Yeah, well, he's the sixth Doctor's companion. He showed up in all the Doctor Who magazines I was reading. Oh Oh my god. Oh, I I just. Maybe this is something I should, like, incorporate into my, like, anxiety coping mechanism, just remembering that (laughs) Frobisher exists, because it never fails just to elevate me to a higher plane of being. Oh my god, I need a fucking Frobisher tattoo. You do a Frobisher rep- retrospective episode for episode 100, then you end it with like, and we've both got tattoos of him. <laughs> Matching Frobisher tattoos. Excellent idea. We could record the episode in the tattoo <laughs> There's just a little in the background. Right, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all getting cut. The doctors retrieve the key to their chains by like, Perry gets a wheelchair with one foot, rolls it over to Six. Six uses the wheelchair to knock over a table and the keys fall onto the floor. It's so it's good. So, it's so good. It's, it's such iconic. a good plan. Yeah, and then he unlocks himself and then he, um, Two is like, no, go and save Jamie. And Six runs off and Two's like, the keys? Can I have the keys? <laughs> um... But yeah, the sixth doctor frees himself first and runs to save Jamie. Jamie uh, Shockeye has been like tenderizing Jamie's muscles with this weird heat gun. Horrific. Yeah. And yeah. he's talking about, oh well, lower lower beings can't feel pain, don't feel pain in the same way that we do. <laughs> and then Jamie's just screaming as he's doing this. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, de- just Desiree is looking Destari is looking very uncomfortable. <laughs> Like, you would be. This doesn't you really. Be. <laughs> They're an expert on le- an expert on lesser beings. Like that's not how that works. Yeah. So he cuts through <laughs> most of Jamie's bonds, and then Shockeye like re-enters the kitchen. Um, the Andragon wounds him with a knife by stabbing him in the leg. Then pursues him through the grounds. But the Sixth Doctor finds Oscar's cyanide killing jar. He ambushes Shockeye, covers his head with Oscar's butterfly net, and presses the cyanide-soaked cotton wall to his face, killing him. Fucking hell! Did it? Wild. Kill- I, I, Truly. Pu- Part of my me- part of my memory, I didn't realize he killed him. I thought he like got back up and was here for like the final act. No, the Doctor no. kills a lot of people in this in this serial. He kills the Doctor kills a lot of people yeah. in general I, for somebody who claims I to be do, a pacifist. I do prefer old old Doctor Who because at least he's there. Like sometimes you just gotta <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you gotta <laughs> sometimes make you just the tough gotta kill choices. someone. Because <laughs> like the sometimes debate to here save the day. within within the serial is. 
why are we more shocked by the doctor killing the Andrigan, besides the fact that he's like put his hand over his mouth and is like strangling him, than we are about the doctor killing a bunch of ice warriors in the seeds of death? <laughs> when theoretically they are both, they are all individuals <laughs> on the same level. And that's for the critique portion of the episode, I guess. Yeah, we'll get. Um, the doctor does not feel too bad about Shockeye's death, uttering "You're just desserts." Doesn't he have a one-liner in Vengeance on Varos as well? So good, he, he used it. He twice. has a one-liner in, in one of these. He has like a one-liner for a death, and people were like, "How dare you make the doctor be glib about death?" Yeah, no, that was Varos, yeah. definitely the bit of after the acid bath. Yes, you'll forgive me if I won't join you. That's what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some people fall into an acid bath near him, and he may or may not have kicked them in, like based on people's memories of it. He didn't, but um... that's just the history he wants you to see. But he could have. Yeah, Vengeance on Varus is really good, cut. by the way, Ben. You should watch it. Um, I feel like I feel like is, after this, I am probably going to start watching some more Doctor again. Yes, yes. We'll get to it later, but I did have a very good time with this episode. Yeah, no, Ben, uh, I gave Ben my Britbox login so that he could watch Doctor Who, so. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Um, the sight of the Time Lord's blood on the ground is too much for Chesney. She falls to her knees and starts licking it to Dustarius' disgust. This is, like, such a scene. He She's, like, staring so at it and, like, collapses to the ground and puts her hand in it and, like, stares at it before licking it. And it's like, yes, Jacqueline <laughs> Pierce, go for it. He looks so uncomfortable uh, in the background. No. He looks like yeah. she's shitting on the floor or something. He's like, he, it's like if Pretty Woman <laughs> ended with the woman <laughs> like eating someone. Laughing blood. It's like there should be, I think we should pitch a zombie version of Pretty Woman where a guy tries to like rehabilitate a zombie to be his sexy girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> then she turns like she just becomes a zombie again at the end. Is that like a reverse? Is that like hey, a reverse? What's the pun? That's got to be a pun. Yeah, I kind of like a reverse. I vaguely movie. remember that movie. Yeah. That it sounds about the right plot. Yeah, so that is definitely a movie that would contain necrophilia. Um, yeah. What's yeah. next in the What's next in the episode summary? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> what's What's coming up next in the light in these kooky Doctor Who adventures? Yeah, he realizes that no matter how augmented she may be, Chesney will always be an Andragum. So we're looping back round to the very beginning of the first episode. He decides to yeah. free the second Doctor and his companions. When Chesney sees this, she shoots and kills Dastari. She tries to shoot the second Doctor and Perry as well, but Jamie throws a knife at her, making her drop the gun. Yes, Jamie. Yes, two knife use in my one boy. episode. It's so what good. a lad. Yeah, Chesney goes into the module hoping to escape, but the module explodes, causing the molecular disintegration of Chesney and turning her back into a common androgum in death. This is like once again they have the the, the crossfade into looking like an androgum, and it is quite the classic crossfade. I do love a good crossfade of yeah. a Doctor. Yeah. The second Doctor uses a Statenheim remote control, which the sixth Doctor covets to summon his TARDIS. He and Jamie stay, say their goodbyes and leave. The sixth Doctor... Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh my god! And like, six saying goodbye to Jamie stings even more when you're like, oh fuck. Oh fuck, yeah. he knows, he knows. Just, yeah. And then the second is just a dick. <laughs> after you, after you. <laughs> the se- the second is just there like, okay, and stay out of my timeline. Get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's good. I can solve like, my own problems. They're not as antagonistic as two and three are, but it's still very funny. God, I've just mm-hmm. found when six comes in, he's been injured, he comes in, they ask about Shockeye, and the doctor says, he's been um, mothballed? Yes, yes. There are some very good, there are some Beautiful. very good puns in this art. But yeah, Jamie gives Perry a kiss on the cheek because he's a gentleman. He's <laughs> really... Mm. <laughs> he's uh, trying his best. Yeah. He is, in this episode, he is supposed to be about 20, to be clear. 
It's just that the actor is not. There's a really awkward moment with Anita as well when she gives the when she gives the sixth doctor a kiss on the cheek, and then he's there like, ah, oh, yes, free kisses. <laughs> she just gives him a handshake and leaves. <laughs> Very strange. Oh yeah, he says, do try and keep out of my way in future and in past. There's a good fellow. The time continuum should be big enough for the both of us. <laughs> Just. And then the doctor's yes. six says, do you know, I think I preferred you as an androgam. And the two leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Very and good then six shit. calls him a conceited ingrace. And it's like, oh, you don't like how similar the two of you are, do you, doctor? No. <laughs> um, the six doctor and Perry make their way back to their own TARDIS. The doctor tells her that from now on, it will be a healthy vegetarian diet for both of them. End of cereal. To remain in this universe, the creature would have to reverse its polarity. Tangents to hell and back, but we've done it. We ended the cereal summary. <laughs> what do we think of the two doctors? It was... Oh boy, it's just a lot. It's a lot of fun. It would still have been a lot of fun with her. I don't know if I agree with you on that one. I think it definitely could have been shorter. That's fine, you don't need to. But I don't know about half the plot. I think Mm. they just did the plot too much. Like, the plot that they they have is very good. That's fair. If yeah. if if they'd sped up if if they'd oh, sped yeah. up the first the first part of episode one a bit, great. Yeah, that makes sense. Because they throw a lot at you from the very start with a lot of random aliens and names where you're there like, is this should I have cliff notes somewhere for all of this? And it's like, no, none of this <laughs> has appeared before. Um but hey, we have Sontarans. That's a good Yeah, look, influence. look, it's the Sontarans. Which you is good, yeah, Sontarans. that's a good deck. <laughs> hey, look, they've got potato heads. Isn't that <laughs> wild? <laughs> it is, it's so wild. But no, it's a it's also I, just I, I had a good go. time. Like it's I found it I found it yes. to be actually quite well paced. The cliffhangers were pretty good. Um and as per as, the as we was very fun. Very much yeah, as we have very much discussed already, everything was good. Like all of it all of the acting was on point. Um with mm. some weird but fun side characters. Yep. Um <laughs> And some entertaining, entertaining location from being yeah. in from being in the Windows ninety five space space station <laughs> to then some old woman's house in Spain. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Hacienda, great. and then to like Excellent. the square in Seville outside Las yeah. Cabanas or whatever. The one, the, the one block of Seville they were allowed to film it, uh, <laughs> where they just kind of keep walking around it, and you keep. And kind poor of Jamie has to wander around in his full Scott re- Scott regalia because they wouldn't let him take off the like sash bit of the kilt. And you're like, God, he must be boiling hot. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. mean i do like Look, his outfit people... i think it would work better without the sash that's why the kilt is so good on its own yeah people came here to see jamie in full scotsman outfit and they are getting <laughs> jamie in full they scotsman came here outfit. to see the highlanders reborn because we want the highlanders back we want the highlanders back so bad please please, please can we we've been very we've good been this year so good the highlanders is uh jamie's intro story bed which is a fully lost and it probably Hooray. wasn't sold abroad Lost anywhere. The... We're just here, like, can we please have it back? We just want it back. Nope, nope. They <laughs> they recorded over it with Top Gear or something. An apple a day keeps the. Uh... No, never mind. <laughs> Men want him, and fish fear him. <laughs> <laughs> The noise I made when I saw you tweet yeah, that. Yeah, I, ma- I made a little. I I screen grabbed it and I tweeted it, and it's got lots of retweets. By which I mean like four retweets. <laughs> oh, look at you go. It's good yeah. for us. Doctor Who influencer. We have like forty listeners. Oh wow. We have forty-two. Ooh. listeners. Oh, the good number. Life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. Um, our podcast is yeah, the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Which we, we knew. Um. Um. 
I love the, the line that you pulled out here. Christopher Columbus, he had a lot He's of He's so article. right, Six. You're so right, Sixy. So, so right. You're writing I you think Ben had it. that in his notes as well. Loud yes. Yeah, no, notes, I did. Yeah. It was great. Nice. I love the when more... the Doctor hates the colonialism. Yeah. And Look, also a I genocide. Ju- yeah. I, I, I just love when anyone hates a colonial, you know? Yeah. It's just nice yeah. that the Doctor does it, because sometimes they sort of forget to make him do it, and you're like, oh dear. Yeah. Um, that's a take. What's... What's boying? Oh, that's when he's... What's uh, boying, Rosie? He's woken up from his trance where he was going like, Jamie, Jamie! And then Six wakes up and goes, boing! Because he was hearing the bells of the Seville Cathedral. Oh, yes, yeah. The the 25th the 25th bell it's very distinctive <laughs> it's a very distinctive bell and as yeah. mentioned when you've been locked in as many dungeons as I have is my one of my favorite Doctor <laughs> Who lines now I just adore it it's accurate you know it's it's very you kind of get used yeah. like when you've been yeah. in one dungeon you know the Ikus there's only yeah. one like, dungeon architect this is our third sixth Doctor serial and in every single one I have adored him he is perfect and wonderful like. <laughs> Him negging yeah. Perry is a like, little snarky. I'm not man. a massive fan of him negging Perry, but that's the writing. Colin Baker he, is perfect. He is the perfect yeah, he, doctor. He grew on me throughout this. I started off and I was like, wow, this guy is um eh. And then I was kinda like, you know what? I kinda like the fact that he's a bit a bit odd. He's a big <laughs> he's, bastard, he's, yeah. He, yeah, he he's odd in a very distinctive doctory way. And that I'm still there, yeah. like, I can kinda see why Perry hasn't just slapped him though. Um uh, like with all of the negging, she's there just like I okay fine <laughs> because she, <laughs> she knows that in many me. ways yeah. yeah in in many ways she seems to know that he, he does rely on her quite a bit. I liked at the as... beginning when she said he needed salary. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> <laughs> which is a beautiful little throwback. He's allergic to something, and when it turns purple, he has to eat the celery, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Previous Robert Holmes story, so you know. Ugh, but yeah six is wonderful i love his little cat badge as always he's got a different one this time because there's a different one every serial <laughs> i love his waistcoat he takes off the coat for most of the episode he's just wandering around in his lovely shirt because it's a bit too hot stand and it's like oh my god i love this so good <laughs> i'm doing a little jig in my chair because i just love it i can i, love I it can so hear much. it not 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 i, I can't <laughs> yeah I can't the energy hear is it on the through. audio but yeah we we can tell I love it. I love him. Yes. Uh, and I still need he to is, work on making this coat fun. when we've moved. I've now packed my sewing machine, so. Six is perfect. I love when he try when he's being angry-gummed. I thought he was trying to make friends with the cat, but no, he wants to pick it up and eat it. No, like it's no fucking... he clearly wanted to, like, chow down. Like, yeah. stri- like close up. because... Close up I want... on his face as he just licks his lip there, like mm, yeah. yes. Yeah, I want an actual uh, six holding a kit, holding a cat as it meows at him, and he's like, "Yes, that's very important." <laughs> like, I want six holding a cat. <laughs> um, he likes cats. I've made his cat badge, and then recently I found an official replica of the cat badge, which is selling for fifteen pounds. So I'm glad I made one myself. <laughs> It could be a could lot be a worse. Lot worse yeah. For a moment, I thought you were going to say fifty pounds, and my brain would be like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, that's yeah. A, yeah. yeah. Look, BBC want their money. They don't yeah. want to give you the episodes, but they want their money. God, <laughs> when are they going to promote the next series? That's a real question. <laughs> and they're never, never going to acknowledge Pride Month. They're never going to do anything. No, it's almost as if the BBC are um yes bad. <laughs> <laughs> you guys mm. know. You know the BBC. You, you, the BBC programming is good, but the BBC management, which is controlled partly by Tories, is bad. <laughs> wow, I wonder if there's a coincidence between. Yeah, those I things. wonder. Can we can um, we say that on air? Wonder. Can, can, we, can we give political opinion? Yes. 
Is that allowed? It's our fucking podcast. We're not sponsored. <laughs> to the We're not toy, owned to by the BBC. BBC. Sponsor this? <laughs> Would you? Um, nobody sponsors us. We do this out of the joy <laughs> of our hearts. God. <laughs> anyway, um, so I think we've agreed that we love sex. He is a beautiful <laughs> rainbow boy. He's fun. I don't know okay, if I'd ben say Ben likes I, sex. I, I need. Ben I need to see. Sex. Like, I want to see more of him. I I pushed yeah. through. Varos the, I pushed really through the negging, one. and I was there. Like, I can see. I can see the actor trying his best to make him actually likable. As far as I recall, Varos has less negging. Good. <laughs> um, it's too dark for much yeah. more negging. <laughs> Twin Dilemma has lots of negging, but it also has six strangling perries. So, like, yes, I've okay. Now I do remember your podcast episode on it. Christ, that was a weird <laughs> episode. <laughs> Poor Perry, she goes through a lot of that episode. Yeah, doesn't she? Yeah. Like, I guess I, I guess I live with a crazy man now. Oh well. Pobody's nerfect. But do you know who is uh, perfect? Is it two? Is it the second is it two? <laughs> it's two. He's perfect. He's a perfect I little man. I love this bossy little man. Yeah. <laughs> we are in a lavender marriage. <laughs> this really gets to like two's actual characterization because I love him in the three doctors and the five doctors, but those definitely are the more comedic side of the second Doctor, which is fine. But, like, when you mm. want to get down to, like, the second Doctor having a seriously bad day, this is a very good example of the second Doctor having a seriously bad day. He just gets day. so yeah, grumpy. Definitely. He just gets so grumpy. And he's there he just like, so you know grumpy. what? And can you, you blame know him? What? I'll fist fight a Sontaran today. That's my yeah. mood at the moment. He challenges him to a duel. And he's like, oh, well, that didn't I... go very well. Oh, giddy on. No. Oh, crumbs. I appreciate, I, you know what, I appreciate the fact that Major Strike was like, no, your opinion doesn't make me lesser. Good day, sir. <laughs> like, he's very much like, I believe in myself and that's okay. Yeah, he's so self-confident. We really support Stike. Um, yeah. Yeah, as yeah. mentioned, two spends a lot of time tied to various tables, worried about Jamie. Jamie's worried yes. about him. Whenever they're together, they're clinging. It's very in character. We've missed them. It is. I like that they didn't even try to turn yeah. it down. There's they no can't like, stop them. I bet know. most of it wasn't script. And they six, were just like, we can't. Six remembers he used to be very fond of Jamie. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I don't want to think about the war games, but fine. I'm always thinking about the war games. They didn't have to make it that traumatic. <laughs> oh. God, I can't wait till we get there. I know, I know. It's going to be so long. Ugh. Anyway. It's only 10 only episodes. Ten. How long are the episodes? About 20 minutes each, and about two minutes of that is recapping the previous episode. Oh, okay. That's probably uh, fine, then. You guys, you guys can bash that out in a like, two-hour podcast, It's the best right? thing Terence Dix has ever done. <laughs> yeah, I would actually agree with you, non-ironically. <laughs> non- it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Andrew Gum 2 is Patrick Troughton having the most fantastic time he has ever had, and I really, yes. really appreciate yes. him and support he has him. Such a He's good like, time. time to pitch my voice down one octave and go insane. Like, you know what? <laughs> I'm just gonna put all, my all into reading page into reading lines out of a cookery book. Um Shepherd's Pie. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> I, I god, can't... it must have been such a good job to fly out to Seville and then just do that. So I can't quite tell if the doctor doesn't know what Shepherd's Pie is, or if the like forty-five percent of him that is still a Time Lord is having a great time messing with Shockeye during this section. I think it's a mixture because <laughs> I feel like the doctor yeah. would know what is in a Shepherd's Pie, and it's not Shepherd's. No, <laughs> but he's but, there. You know, like... Maybe if he was, he's confusing it with the uh, the, the two thousand and five movie musical Sweeney Todd, the Team and Barbara of Fleet Street. Oh, probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> Second Doctor, 
on point as always. Perfect little he's doctor man. He's just great. Yes. He's so perfect. Like, he's fussy and he's grumpy man. and he really cares and <laughs> it's so good. And as I've said, it really like highlights the similarities between two and six. There's two fussy little men and you're like, mm. oh yeah. I also just love the first, like, what, five minutes of the episode, which is just two and Jamie and the turtles. Yeah, they're just having an adventure. It's so nice. It just has such a like coming home vibe, almost. Like they yeah. just yes, as, really as soon does. as they, as you're soon right. as you see them on screen, like you've already like you're expecting Colin Baker, and then you you phase into this, and you're like, hey, who's that? Oh, okay, it's just the and doctor. And it's black and white yeah. for like the five, black and white like, is just I so was... good. Previous to that moment, mm. I was actually looking to see if VLC has a setting to make things black and white because I wanted to watch those two t- the second Doctor bit in black and white, and then it did it for me. Beautiful, it was so good. Because the last Second Doctor it's one, so I watched good. the Power of Daleks in color. Power of the Daleks. Um, at least mm. I think I did. Probably, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, so I was like, let's watch it in black and white, and I did for like five seconds, and it was very good. Um, the little the transition out of color is also very good. Mm. Mm. Like it's just some on point like. Someone, someone in the editing room had that idea and was there like, I don't, I'm doing this. I don't care what anyone else says. I'm going to do this and yeah. pat myself on the yeah. back for it. Yeah. It sort of throws Definitely. back to the five doctors, which opens with two, uh, one speech from the Dalek invasion of Earth, like starting oh, I in love black that and so white. Much. And then it goes into the Doctor Who theme and then everything's in color again. But like the theme of going from old to new has been developed mm. a little bit. I have to go. Now look, if you're going to be in trouble, you'll need me to look after you. Me too. But you don't understand. Ben, since you have not encountered Perry before, please give us your impression of Perry. Um, Your your feelings on Perry. So, or you know, just an impression. Yeah, or an impression. (laughs) I'm not going to do an American accent. Um, So straight off, as soon as she turned up, and the doctor is like, "Stop throwing stones. You're scaring the fish." And she dead eye watches, looks at him as she threw a stone. I was like, "This is a companion I can enjoy." (laughs) <laughs> I do the, the the companions I like are definitely the ones that do not take that do not take shit. It's a shame that Perry is written in a way that sometimes she just has. Um, yeah. There are many times where she is like, "I am fed up with you. I can't do anything about it, but I don't like you." And she is a great. She is great. I was worried when I saw her outfit. It's a nice outfit, but I was a little worried when I was like, "Ah, there's boobs." <laughs> It's very much the it's one for the dads. Of... Yeah. Um, John Nathan Turner deliberately put her I... in as the one for the dads. Um... I, I think it was more because John Nathan Turner was closeted at the time, so he was trying to present the show as super straight. Oh. And this is his impression of what straight people want. Is a beautifully as a lesbian, tie-dyed I can... top. It's, what, it's, what's in, it's what's in the top that's straight. Uh, but yeah, no, Perry was great. She is again. I will, I will try and suss out some more Perry stories because it was fun seeing, Do it. fun She's seeing great. a sort of prototype of modern Who companion that doesn't want to make out with the Doctor. Uh, yeah, I, I wish we do had more wish of that, that we had less of, do- of the Doctor sex machine. Uh, yeah, we. I yeah. mean, Colin Baker stands Ace Doctor, so like we love Colin Baker. He's just, he's uh, just too busy. But also- the sixth Doctor is also the sexiest Doctor. It's, well, that's the whole thing of like, you know, <laughs> you can't have him. <laughs> it, it increases the, the sex. My, my... Raw sexual energy, yeah. Yeah, um... it's the lack of sexual energy that leads to us, that leads to us seeing him in the sexual light. You know, <laughs> he's, he's so actually, unsexy. Like... It's warped back around to becoming sexy yeah. again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Perry is like, she and the Doctor have an extremely strange double act, which has not really been repeated in Doctor Who, I think, where they're just 
really trying to get along and not quite mad. Like, Perry's trying and Six is trying, and then they both stop trying. <laughs> and they're like, ugh, why are you still here? Um... And it's so oddly handled because I think the writers want us to know that they like each other, but they never write it like they like each other. So it's just Colin Baker <laughs> and Nicola Bright heroically trying to make it seem like this dialogue is fond and happy. <laughs> and they do a fucking great they job. They really with it do. As well. They really do. But it's like the audios do it a lot better, and Six and Perry and the audios are yeah, fonder of each other. And I think it works in various episodes. In this episode, Perry gets short short shrift, I think, because. Like, there's a lot of other stuff going on, and obviously mm-hmm. they have to celebrate Jamie being back, so Perry gets less to do. Um, but mm. I did really like, like Ben said, her coming up with the American student thing, where she's like, oh yeah, we're just yeah. trying to organise some, like, some cross-continental trips. Like, some uh, how many, trips, how many bathrooms like do you have? Like, in a way, it's yeah. really clever to suss out how many people are in might be in the house. Like, yeah. it's some good, no, it's, quick it's thinking. And also, it's brave of her to go in on her own. Oh, yeah, nah, to go into a place full of cannibals. Yeah, also, when the doctor is talking about two, and she goes, I do wish you'd stop switching personal pronouns. (laughs) As soon as as she said that, I was like, I don't need to write that in my notes. Um, Someone else is on there. (laughs) It's Rosie Willow. Yeah. 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 It's just incredible. It's good stuff. Mm. Overall, very good. Uh, well, we can talk about her a bit more in Wife. Uh, so I guess we may as well go on to the male wife of the episode. Yeah. Jamie! Um, <laughs> um, oh. I, as established earlier in the episode, I want to be Jamie McCrimmon. Ooh. I want to be a little, like a little... Just a little guy. Young... He's just a little guy. <laughs> he's a birthday boy. <laughs> he's, he's not our birthday boy. He's our little gay boy exploring the universe, giving zero shits. That's the energy I want for myself, yeah. and I'm too neurotic to be it's that. so good. <sighs> he's just a delight to have back on screen, yeah. and I adore him. Like, it's weird seeing him in colour, and it's a little bit weird that he's, like, you know, 15 years older, but it's still like, oh, it's Jamie! Oh, I mi-. Like, that's how Six feels about it as well. He's like, Jamie! <laughs> I was always fond of him. Yeah, he was always fond of him. Um... <laughs> Jamie gets shock-eye with the knife and he says, we are wild, aren't we? And I'm like, yeah, Jamie is pretty wild, actually. (laughs) He goes a bit feral from time to time. Finally gets to use the knife, as we mentioned. He gets stuck in the duct and they never quite established how long he's been there, but it's clearly a while. It's it's probably weak. He's probably been been feasting on Sontaran. Yeah. Um, But he's, like, dressed in this weird sacking outfit, (laughs) so clearly something's gone wrong there. Like, he's covered in dirt, and then he goes and has a bath and changes his clothes in the TARDIS, and the TARDIS still has all his clothes from hundreds of years ago, and you're like, oh my god! Because the Doctor just can't throw them out. Of course he can't! I mean, if you have an infinite space, would you throw anything out? Just imagine, I'm just imagining, like, three sadly going and standing in the TARDIS wardrobe and looking at all of his companions' old clothes they left there, and you're like, oh my god. Oh my god, why do they never clean up <laughs> after for that themselves? Image. Even though, as we've noted, and as I've noted in my archive of our own profile, three could totally have just been hanging out with all of his companions that were in the 60s. He could mm. be hanging out with Ben and Polly and Ina Barbara and Victoria. I always got, they, the, you know, I always got, I always got the vibe that three was above that, you know? No, like he, he just, just pretends to be because of his traumas. <laughs> God, um, I just feel there's there's a, there's a novel Ben where Ian and Barbara like appear at unit, but the Doctor is coincidentally away on a mission, and you're like, no, he's so close. No, they're so close. He's so close. It's fine. Um, I feel like oh, with Jamie, anyway. we also need to point out that he very much summarizes the entire the entire serial by calling Andrew Gum's hungry man. 
Um, yeah, it's so that's good. That's <laughs> it. That's the one word that yeah, neatly summarizes everything. Yeah, he is the full package. Um, He's a big I found an article, uh, a Doctor Who magazine article, that's an interview with Fraser Hines from just after it's aired, where he said how he yes. introduced a lot of stuff into the serial that was just like things he felt Jamie would do. So like he he introduced a lot more of the kind of like, ah, <laughs> just... Not being quite sure what's going on, which is a very Jamie trait, especially from earlier on. Yeah, in Yeah, confusion. Run. Like, but er- a good like time. early on in Two's run, he's very brave and he's smart for someone who lived in the 1700s and never went outside of Scotland. But as soon as he goes out into space, he's like, I don't fucking know what's going on. Why do you expect me to know what's going on? <laughs> like him knowing about the Time Lords in this, we're just going to discuss later. But <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We're almost there. Fair. Just hold on. This to is going to be a long old record. Mm. It's gonna be a demon's length thing, I think. Fuck. It's fine. We're only at the two yeah, hour mark. Jamie's perfect. We can bash this out in another half might... hour. Jamie's a perfect boy. Yeah, we might say baby. <laughs> no, we're not. We've got to talk about season six B still. <laughs> we'll get that. <laughs> On your knees, Doctor. Do love that transition. <laughs> It's really good. So two and Jamie are in are in love and married, and we talk about this a lot, but it's just true. Um, it's just true. Like <laughs> it's very true. I just adore their dynamic. I adore their um their handsiness. Yes, their familiarity with the way they touch the each other. The thing is, right? They're not just that they touch each other, but they touch each separate. other like they always touch each they're other. They're physically separated for so much of this serial, and it makes me so sad. I'm like, where's the clutching? Where's the clinging? And then as soon as they cling, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. There's even bits where Six and Jamie are really close together, and I'm like, Jamie is trying to cling. Jamie's trying to cling. He's trying to do it. Jamie is feeling conflicted because this is also the same man as his boyfriend, but it's not his boyfriend. Yeah, what does yeah, he yeah. Do? He's like. I still don't really get it, Doctor, about being the same person. Um, I don't get it. And there's the bit where Two says, all you have to do is stand in the background, and then Jamie, in unison, says, admire your diplomatic skills. <laughs> so good. Beautiful. They've just been together. They they suit each other so much, and they just are the best. They're the best. Uh, there's, a que- there's a question later on that we'll get to, <laughs> but um, the answer is probably going to be Two and Jamie. <laughs> Um, cool. Also, earlier on, Shockeye says that something about sensual refinement, and it made me feel insane. It's just a chef um, thing. It's just a chef thing, you know. Yeah, it's totally normal for everything that Shockeye says. Yeah, totally, totally fine, you know. Nope, 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 nope. Just there chowing down on a rat like sensual refinement. <laughs> I hate it. Dastari has a certain regard for the Doctor. <laughs> he says it in a very gay way. Well. <laughs> There's not many straight vibes there in this episode. There really aren't. It's not a heterosexual which episode. Which is great, because we've, we've watched quite a lot of straight-feeling episodes lately, so yeah. to buck the trend yeah. is nice. Um, there is something inherently queer about saving the life of your former self. Yeah. Like, the non-canonicalism, the queerness of time, the knowing yourself intimately in that way, the confronting of yourself, it's gay. Yeah. Those are my gay themes. Yeah. I have no doubt people wrote weird porn about this episode, and that's valid. Who's I going to write weird porn? Okay, what? <laughs> Hi. It wasn't Doctor Who. Was it was Garishia? Like, knowing you, it's probably Garishia, right? I do write other things. Do you? Um, <laughs> was it Black Sails? I think I think it was based on the Eurovision movie we watched last night. <laughs> of course it was. Yep, look, of course it that's, was. What we, that's what we need. Will Farrell. Is it Will Farrell? Yeah, yeah. Will Farrell porn. 
Yeah, I don't. I would not. I don't write weird. Then there are other characters write, I'm more interested. In. I just write niche genfic, which no one reads. At least weird porn has an audience. Yeah. <laughs> My fic by Victoria and three meet up. It does not have an audience, beautiful. but it was good. Thank I, you. I was the audience, yes. and I loved I'm it. I'm glad that you liked it. In fairness, most of the stuff I put on AO3 is not porn. It's, let's see, do your feelings have feelings? <laughs> My feelings do often have feelings. Anyway, fuck. Okay, hang on, guys. Um, I think Oscar is queer-coded, and then he dies. Does that count as bury your gaze, or is it just an unfortunate coincidence? Yes, it's a JNT story. Yeah, it probably yes. does. Um, he gets very little. He gets very little. Char- he gets just enough character development for us to make a very solid case that he's queer-coded, and then they shoot him before he mm-hmm. can be queer. Um, he gets stabbed, like, <laughs> shot with a knife. He gets shot with a knife. Yep. Um, <laughs> Shokai being queer coded is kind of tricky because he's also coded as like ambiguously foreign and it's Will... like is he gay or European? Is yeah. he gay or European? I feel like most of it <laughs> Thank you yeah, for getting most that of it, Hell yeah. Most of it comes into some other Androgam stuff which is mostly to do with eating people um, and yeah. it depends how much It's like mu- the eroticism it, of cannibalism Yeah, it, it depends how much you want to apply mm. eating people to being a queer-coded thing. Like, he's very... Vo- is it Vore-coded? No, it's Vore-coded yeah. totally. is what it is. He's very vocal about, like... Like, if if he didn't talk so much about eating people, I'd be like, yeah, he's really into, like, stuff. Uh, but I don't necessarily want to apply, like, queer-coding onto him when he's very much like, I'm going to eat a baby nail. Yeah. It's more something about his mannerisms, like, his his eyebrows, his movement. Yeah. He's like the baby eating Bishop of Bath and Wells. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Blackout. Okay, that's what that was from. I was like, that's either something our dad has said or something. Yeah. Cool it's, that's, it's like, I always mix it up with kicking Bishop Brennan up the arse, but either way. They have the same um, energy. But yeah, no, I think Shokai is like, I think I agree that there are certainly elements of the character that are queer-coded, but it also, as I say, spills over into the, like, ambiguity of Gay-European, is there some unfortunate stereotyping involved in this role? (laughs) We shall see. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Are the Sontarans wearing shorts? And you said that shorts aren't inherently gay, and I would disagree. <laughs> um, I think that anything that I wear I think is gay. This is where we. <laughs> You've claimed it. I think this is where we embed the Brian David Gilbert jorts yes. video. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's not necessarily <laughs> relevant. Give me something but... that isn't queer. I mean, but I feels feel like queer. there's. I feel like there's an extra adage where I don't remember if they were wearing shorts, but if they do. That implies they have different weather gear, like army wide. <laughs> and now I want to know who is the fashion designer for Sontaran. Um, who are doing like the khaki Sontaran yeah. armors? Like, is there khaki? Where's the snow? Yeah, where, where's, where's the tundra yes. camouflage? Yes, yes, yes. Like, there were oh military. Oh my god, camouflage yeah. Sontarans in a potato field, in a field of potatoes, <laughs> they're lying down, and they're Sontarans. <laughs> Just half bury themselves. And they've got little, they've got little plant oh hats on. Chris Chibnall, please. Yes. Chris Chibnall. Chris, we know you're listening. <laughs> do you guys have one? Do you, this is, do you guys have this one is... artist now? We have one. No, Chris Chibnall is the showrunner of Top Ten. Oh, okay. <laughs> one we artist, do also have one, one artist, artist who is, is perfect. Is beautiful and wonderful. And we love them very much. Um, Absolutely. Like, I've still got their art as my phone. Yeah, screensaver. it's still my wallpaper. They made they drew us um Isla and Sorg fan art for Price. Yes, the two the two ice warriors. And they're the little yeah, yeah. Their little touching yeah. their little Lego hands. And... Oh. I now don't have to watch the twin dilemma because I've listened to your podcast on it. <laughs> <laughs>
and truly. <laughs> See, we are actually bettering the world I by yeah. putting this content out there. This is the thing. Well. Ben, the ben not knowing whether or not to watch the twin dilemma before was a twin dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> Great. But... Good joke. Good jest. Right. Um, oh, I want to talk about how sexy Perry cat. is. So I think we should get in the the Kart's Rhymer time machine and risk the Briod Nebulizer for one trip through the time tunnel to Wife City. Uh, this is this is where it becomes the Briod Nebulizer. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh sure. Lots of people. And there's a woman. A woman. A woman? Hey. As always, Perry is just sexy and beautiful and dresses excellently. She doesn't have a lot to do in this serial besides what we've already talked about. Uh, she's just great. Yes, great. I love her approach. I love her initiative. I love her outfit. I will. I would like to wear that ed- outfit, but with like less boob. Yeah, which is hard because I think I have more boob. <laughs> the main reason for this wife C segment beyond Perry, who we as always adore, um, mm. and I like her little headband she's wearing for a bit as well, is so that I can talk yes, about Chesney. Evil wife. Evil wife. Evil wife. Evil wife. Evil wife. Evil wife. You've added evil a lot wife. more. You know, that I, more, I don't tend to. You've go added for evil more wives. evil wives to that sentence though in your note. Um. Does, I'm getting is, more is enthusiastic. That, yeah, I was about to say, like, is that reflective of you being getting more comfortable with the idea of having an evil wife? Um, Here's the oh, thing: you've always Aim been is not. With it. Aim does not usually go for the evil wives. I have always gone for the evil. No, wives. I very rarely. I think I've gone for one evil wife like, back in Battlefield. There's like Carla in uh, Marinus, evil wife. Morgane in no. Battlefield, evil wife. Yes, um, that's an evil wife I can get into. Cassia, to an extent, is an evil wife in Traken, but she's more of a misled wife. <laughs> misled um, wife. You've, a misunderstood you've wife. Got, yes, yes, modest and misunderstood. Uh, evil Tegan in Kinder, evil wife. Okay, very big wife, but that's also because Tegan is generally wife quality anyway. Indeed, indeed. But I, I'm getting my point across, I hope. That, that, <laughs> that yeah. there are many evil There are wives. many evil wives in Doctor Who, um, and each of them are yes, just Chesney, as good as the last. Chesney is very beautiful. She has a fantastic dress on the whole episode. It's like this maxi dress, silver, lame situation. Her hair is in, like, rolls backwards from her forehead, which is strange because Servalan, as far as I remember, has a shaved head. Um, <laughs> Servalan is a Blake Seven character. It, it'll come up later in the show. Wait, um, when? Why would you yeah, ever mention Wait, this Blake? is oh, a Blake Seven know, podcast. What's this about? I wasn't. No, I'm not into this anymore. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. You're trapped. You can't leave. Oh no, I'm trapped in a time loop. <laughs> the universe is ending in a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, she's great. Like she, she's basically in charge. She is the lead villain, and she does it fabulously. Mm. Everyone listens to her. They follow her instructions. She has, as well they like, should. she's just great. And as I've noted, um, it's very funny to imply that Jacqueline Pierce would ha- would want to as a consort of any kind. Like, she says consort, and it's like, not the word I would go for. I would go for, like, associate. <laughs> Hello, this is my associate. Yeah. I implanted him with the DNA of my people. Yes. It was yes. a whole thing. Um, we could go over it later. It was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then I think in New Who, Perry and Chesney would have deliberate homoerotic tension in the same way that Clara and Missy do. <laughs> uh, and I, I would, oh, I would I be wish that had them. been explored better. Yeah, just like it would be good. And also Perry would have more to do. But <laughs> always good. 
I think they should bring Perry back because, you know, she's off being married to Erkenos or whatever. I think they should bring her back. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I think they should bring, to be fair, I think they should bring all the classic companions back. I'm like, fuck it. Stop, stop pandering to like curated fans. I want me, a transformative fan, to be transformed with the love of Ian Chesterton once more. Um, Is this a trans narrative now? Ah. Uh, it could be. <laughs> I think the Andrigan thing is definitely not a trans narrative. No, that's um, no, no. not. No. But yes, my wife point is that Jacqueline Pierce is very beautiful. Chesney is very beautiful and evil, and I would like to marry her, even though I would probably she would probably be like a praying mantis kind of wife. There's <laughs> that that there is a degree of stepping on, you know? It's that kind of Yes. Oh yeah, step on me. Yeah. Step on me, Jacqueline Pierce, as Chesney. Or a servant. No, you're not you're not that picky. I will sit over here in like my 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 soft, gentle wife corner. I mean that's happy fair. for you and your evil I wife. I also but, like having you know. soft, gentle wives. It's just it's just Rosie Rosie Sorry, knows that you can have both, you know? Yeah. Again, only two named women. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm pretty sure Anita was yeah, a woman. Not too much. <laughs> and Donya Arana. Yeah. Donya also. Arana was there. I bet she was a yeah, real lady a real lady killer. I was about to say Cougar, but Lady Killer works too. Maybe she's an old Spanish lesbian. We I, don't know. I mean she had we know she had gentlemen callers, so Today's science fiction so often becomes tomorrow's science fact. The name Andragum is an anagram of Gormand, a person who takes great pleasure in food. This was anagram uh, bingo. Yeah, this was something that Robert Holmes came up with when he wanted it to be set in New Orleans, and he was like, "Well, what what makes it what makes New Orleans a good like place?" And he was like, "Well, either it'll be aliens obsessed with jazz or aliens obsessed with food." I would have loved. And if he didn't this think he could guest on He didn't think he could do jazz aliens exactly, Porquino los dos, but like. He decided that it was going to be food aliens and then they couldn't film in New Orleans. And he was like, I guess Seville has restaurants. <laughs> Source for that is Doctor Who magazine, by the way. I'm assuming the next two are Doctor Who magazine as well. Uh, uh, makeup artists created the Andergum's distinctive warts by literally growing, gluing Rice Krispies to the actors' faces. I thought that was just an, like a turn of phrase that I wasn't familiar with. Nope. But... Nope. Yeah. Mm, snacks, as the comment there. Yeah, Thanks, Rosie. Rosie. That Great. was not me. Yeah, <laughs> that no, was that not was me. You, Rosie. There we go. That's the twin me. joke. Set that up at the start of the episode. <laughs> oh. And the payoff is massive. <laughs> it's finally come around to haunt us. <laughs> there we go. Um, around the time this aired, the BBC announced the dread hiatus and the Doctor Who magazine readers were incensed. Yep, fair. Very, um, very much a time for Doctor Who fans. Yeah, an eighteen-month hiatus um, as well. It's yeah. like God, and this was like they were gearing up to release Time Lash. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Months. How how long was the hiatus? A year and what a half. That? Oh, okay. I thought you'd said a month, and I was ye- like, "Wow, yeah. Doctor Who fans are spoiled." <laughs> no, had to wait no, no, like four no. a year months. And, a half and, it came back and it it was between ah oh, fuck, what was it between? It was between. I think um, it was between Time Lash and Trial. It was between Revelation of the Daleks and Trial. Because it went... After this, there's Time Lash, then Daleks, then there's the the year and a half hiatus, and then it's Trial. Yeah, because Trial was, like, literally the trial of the show. We will get into it more in our epic Trial series eventually. Yay! Um, the second Doctor's TARDIS console is actually the fifth Doctor's, because the original prop had basically fallen apart by the 70s, and they couldn't afford that's to build very, a new that's one. That's very Doctor. <laughs> yep. That's like, it just... oh, should we have been taking um, care of that? Ooh. Uh, nah, why would we do that? When you mothball something, you, um, like, leave it to be eaten by moths, right? That's what that you means, You set it on right? fire, right? That's what mothballing <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Like, we don't need it anymore, right? We just turn into... We turn... You eat it. <laughs> okay, that's a funnier joke than what I was going to say. 
Um, sometimes I find it. Do you want to talk about the continuity stuff later on? I don't yes, know. Yes, because it is complicated. It's, it's not in critique. It's all the way in EU, I think. Okay, I'll leave that for you. I'm sure you'll be able to do that better than I will in my time, please. Um, yeah, as we already mentioned, they wanted to do the location filming in New, York, in New Orleans. This was part of John Nathan Turner's sort of push to have the show be more American and international. They couldn't do it because of budget, and it was a bummer. Um, Radio Times credited John Stratton, who plays Shokai, as Shokai of the Quansing Grig for part one, which I just love that as a full character title. Um, Fraser Hines met and fell in love with a married Spanish girl one well, while is, on location. Is, is there evidence as for you that? Do. Like, I've only just seen that in the note. Probably mentioned it in the commentary, I, ooh, I'd bet. That's, that's a vibe. <laughs> Apparently they didn't yeah. have a lot to talk about that episode. There. Yeah. That's where they talked about it. I mean, that, that's a guess. I have yeah. not got to the commentary yet. Um, at one point in the story, Perry appears to mouth the word asshole when the doctor is <laughs> intelligent. Valid. Which would be the first instance of an actual curse word being used on the show, even if it was silent. And it would next be followed by Rose Tyler's use of the word bitchy in the end of the world when addressing Cassandra. I feel like there's another An little absolutely behind iconic the scenes line tidbit. when she says bitchy. Um, I feel like there's another behind the scenes tidbit that I saw that when I started researching this when Rosie told me I was going to be watching. I could have sworn I saw a thing where Patrick Troughton's wig kept melting off. Um, that sounds Because accurate. it was too, like, we pointed out <laughs> that it would be warm in Seville when we were talking about Jamie's um, outfit. But I believe there's also a thing where I was yeah. like, yeah, his wig kept falling off because it was too warm. Beautiful. Um, they also the the actors playing the Santarans really struggled as well. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> you can tell. Maybe that's why they were wearing shorts. They're not. They weren't supposed to, but they just cut them, cut the <laughs> legs off. Apparently, uh, the story had the working titles of uh, the Kralon Inheritance and the Andragum Inheritance. This story is arguably the final six-part story because in some countries it was edited into six parts. Apparently there was a Radio Times promo picture with Colin Baker and Patrick Troughton uh, sitting back to back in, a, in an olive grove, but unfortunately my DVD did not have any Radio Times clippings, so I cannot Boo. prove this. Um, and it was the last serial to be filmed on the continent until the fires of Pompeii. Huh, that's actually quite a long break. Apparently Jacqueline Pierce was a last minute replacement for a different actress who was fired for not attending rehearsals. Uh, it was Colin Baker's favourite episode to make. Because he got the chance to work with Patrick Trout. Because he got to go on holiday. Oh, and yep. and oh, the holiday sweet. part. Well, because <laughs> well, we know that Didn't Colin hurt. Baker was like a longtime fan of Doctor Who. Because he was watching it from like the very first episode as a law student. Oh, that's... Wow. It is cute. He could uh, have been a lawyer. Instead, he was a doctor. He... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um... <laughs> but, um... No, we'd all go. Except Miss Shaw. Oh, just a minute. I'm not going to miss all No, Miss Shaw. Have you never heard of female emancipation? Liz... This time, I think he's right. Robert Holmes fucking loses it for an entire three-episode serial. <laughs> like, he's so bad. I mean, he was near the end of his career. He was past his prime, but oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tardis Eruditorum, which is uh, which is a series of articles about, like, trying to uh, analyse Doctor Who through the lens of societal reality mm. at the time has an article about the two doctors where it talks about how Robert Holmes is criticising the public's inability to sympathise with an alien, no matter how complex, by having an evil cannibal alien with no redeeming features except for the fact that it looks vaguely human. 
that you are then like, why do I sympathise with this one so much more than I do with the Sontarans? Except that we're weird and we love all of the non-humanoid <laughs> aliens. The it's this queer most. culture. Yeah, so what are our thoughts on the the idea of that as a criticism? Like, how, how does it work within the story? Or does it just end up kind of going, yeah, look I at don't... these slightly funny looking people. I think if it had been... I, I don't quite... It would work... The point would work better if they weren't straight away talking about eating each other. Um, Like, to... We don't sympathise with them at all. Because the very first act of an androgam is to want to eat Jamie. Um... Well, no, because I think the I think the idea is that um, they show the character is irredeemable, but still, when Shockeye gets we? killed, you go oof. Like, I didn't. Whereas it, I mean, some people do. Like, I think the idea of the death being that vicious is that it's meant to make you go, oh no, poor Shockeye. But it oh doesn't yeah, work. I guess like, that's yeah. The issue I guess with the then story. that's why they also show the Sontar and having a having a really grisly death. But Shockeye's death is just like, oh, I guess the Doctor yeah. can do that now. Um. Yeah, and it's also like, okay, he kind of yeah, and also it. it's to compare, it's comparing him to a moth by killing him the same way they kill moths. It's like the whole one species above another. The androgams view themselves as superior to humans, but humans view themselves as superior to moths, yeah, and the time lords um... are superior to androgams hmm. or whatever. Um, the yeah no go go think, for it. Aim. Well, um, I think that it might work better if it was reflected in some of the other themes. Like if you had a parallel B plot about exception accepting norms and what generates sympathy and what is irrational but understandable from that perspective Mm. it would hold together a lot better but it Mm. sort of feels like it doesn't fit in with the rest of the themes of the episode yeah they just kind of feel like normal baddies. they didn't put as much money into doing the makeup exactly what it felt like very pantomime-esque yeah uh, and then there's a separate article on editorial which I don't necessarily agree with, which is problematizing the use of the other by like the physical characteristics they give the androgums are kind of like, va- like as I say, vaguely like othering, but uh, it doesn't really work. And then like Shokai's outfit is vaguely like it mm-hmm. makes me think about Arabian Nights weirdly mm, with the sword okay. and the baggy trousers and stuff. So it's kind of tricky to place what they're when trying to trying do with to... it beyond going, oh, this is in the BBC yeah. wardrobe. Let's when give you're it trying this. to make commentary on othering whilst othering cultures and not accepting that's part of what you're yeah. doing. Which probably... There's also the bit where Shokai asks the Doctor when he is Androgon whether they eat people on Earth and he goes, oh, I yes. think it's been no, heard they straight of. Up, they like, straight oh up mention they this. straight don't up mention this. Western. Don't do and this. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. okay. Okay, You're like, cool. It's like, it's technically... It's technically accurate, but it's also completely not no. the same thing as what Fuck they're talking no. about. <laughs> I don't know. I did various researches into this a while ago because I was like because i was listening to my survival cannibalism podcast that i listened to and then i was like of course i was and then i got onto the survival cannibalism wikipedia page and then onto that the ritual a, cannibalism yeah, that is wikipedia a page. It, was a, it was a weird time to be rosy <laughs> and then as we've said they're comparing killing the moths for lepidoptery to killing androgums and then they are also comparing it to androgums killing people yeah to, none of it like none just of it because is they can really i guess equivalent there, there, there are attempts to make connections between all of these like different bits, but in the end, it's like I guess I sort of vaguely see the point you're trying to make. But if you'd settled on one, mm, yeah, way... it's just a fun episode huh? of Doctor Who, yeah. <laughs> and they failed with yeah. the themes. The Doctor yes. Who of it all is quite fun, but then they're trying to do themes and it doesn't work. Which we know yeah. that Doctor Who can do themes because we did Power of the Daleks and that was fucking incredible. Yeah, so, like it's out there. 
just because it can doesn't mean it always i also wonder if it's because it was like a big budget production they were going all the way to seville they were getting troughton and heinz back i wonder how much of it in holmes's original script was actually much yeah if they'd lost a bit especially compared to his other writing there was a robert holmes interview in one of the magazines i was reading but unfortunately it was extremely poorly formatted and very hard to read Um, Robert Holmes explains how he came to write The Two Doctors. Apparently Patrick Troughton and Fraser Hines so enjoyed The Five Doctors, they asked if they could come back and do another one. We were moving to the 45 minute time slot and this was going to be the season biggie and Eric Sayward wanted someone with experience of writing what is virtually an old six-parter and asked if I'd mind writing it. Then they said, can we have Sontarans? I don't really like bringing back old monsters, but I don't think the Sontarans were really well used in their last appearances, so I was glad to redress the balance. Um, and okay. then he talks about why he wanted to set it in New, um, New Orleans and couldn't. Uh, apparently they wanted him to write The Five Doctors, but he didn't because he didn't want to write that many characters all at That's once, fair. which is valid. That's a mood. Yeah, it's very fair. But yeah, uh, so it seems like he sort of wrote it and then he had to put the Sontarans in. But I think the Sontarans work fine in this story. Like, they work as kind of a secondary antagonist who are like... Here is our, like, their ideology is so straightforward that they can't really understand the Andrigams, like, double-crossing them. Yeah, which is an interesting take on it. I like that. It's good. And they're still, like, fairly serious aliens, despite being, you know, potato heads <laughs> hiding in a <laughs> potato field. Um, and I would love to discuss Rob Shearman's redemptive reading of The Two Doctors, but unfortunately I don't, I'm not made of money and I cannot afford About Time 6, um, which is, I think, out of print anyway. But it's definitely I am available proposing... on the Amazon if you want to give oh, money to the, yeah, to but... the devil. Give the Bezos the I cash. Um, I'm proposing <laughs> a new segment, questions and answers, based solely around the essay titles in this volume, which go, include, go, is continuity go. a pointless waste of time? No. Thoughts, yes or no? Why are elements so weird in space? That's probably fucking um, Thesium and like uh, Hymetusite and stuff like that. I could always text Daniela and just be like, out of the blue, why are elements so weird in space? <laughs> Why do Time Lords meet in sequence? Is there a season Uh 6B? Uh oh. Yes! Um, Did they think we'd buy just any old crap? What might the other season 23 have been like? Who narrates this program? How warped was the Doctor's mind? How good is the Doctor? The Valleyard? Uh, how? What's all this stuff about anoraks? What are the oddest romances in the program's history? Um, the semiotic thickness of what? <laughs> when did Susan go to school? What are the gayest things in Doctor Who? Did Cole well, have any plan at all? Could it be magic? Where does canon end? What were Josiah's blasphemous theories? Are these gods related? What about twe- season 27? And does Paul McGann count? <laughs> Paul McGann always counts! He, he is always, a good always man. Counts. He is a good man. But yeah, those are all questions that they apparently answer in about time six. So, excited for that. That can be another bonus episode. And as if you can end up bankrolling, buying about time six, you can then make a bonus episode discussing those essays. Let me get this straight. A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard, it can move anywhere in time and space? Yes. Quite so. But that's ridiculous. So, uh, very first of all, I thought this was very fun for me. At some point before 2015, Andrigam Space Hopper crashed in the Bristol Channel. Humans found the recipe for sugary shitplanos therein. Uh, This is a drink that Andrigams make that is apparently very tasty. It's made of other Andrigams. Wild. Because they canonically Uh, eat each other. Soil of green is Andrigams. They canonically eat each other. Um, (laughs) And then we have uh, controlling the TARDIS through symbiosis with the Rassilon imprimatur, which is not actually what it is. But apparently... 
it is something that's responsible for mapping Time Lords onto the Vortex as pure mathematics, and it's not possible to travel in a TARDIS without the imprimatur, which doesn't seem right because the companions do it. Um, it's possible that you can use it to transmigrate objects, uh, but it's basically it's constantly contradictorily used in the expanded universe to be confusing. Okay, that sounds uh, yeah, like something that, that sounds would on brand. In yeah. Um, and then we move on to <sighs> fine. I will talk about season I'm so six. So glad, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm so baby. glad you read it as the notes put it. Okay. Yeah. So, um, let me very briefly explain what the issue is with this <laughs> serial that rely that requires the potential invention of season six B. So, the issue is in this story, and I'm going to discount the fact that Fraser Hines and Patrick Tratton look older because that's just time working on the actors. Like that's that's not intentional. They are supposed to be the same age they were when they were in the show. Then we have Jamie knows about the Time Lords, but in the War Games he does not know about the Time Lords, which is the last serial that Jamie appears in the 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 War Game. Um, also, they claim that they will be able to go and retrieve Victoria, but the Doctor, as the Second Doctor, did not have very refined control over the Tardis's uh, comings and goings. <laughs> Mm. Um, and also it's odd that he is in league with the Time Lords at this point when he was exiled from them Uh, as a result some people think that he was actually sent out to work for the Time Lords after the war games instead of being permanently exiled and forced to regenerate they like hired him to do jobs like Uh, this yes like this um, and was given back Jamie and possibly Victoria as companions uh, to make him better at doing his work. Now, this was originally published as a theory in the Discontinuity Guide in the 80s by Paul Cornell et al. But I assume it was on the early message boards and the and the zines and everything before that because it's like a thing that was eventually technically like canonised in quotation marks by Terence Dix and Robert Holmes. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Tardis Eruditorum says, um, this culminates in his supposed continuity goof with regards to Troughton's Doctor and the Time Lords. Some of my divink has been spilled on these, including a bit of my own, but for our purposes here, suffice it to say that none of the options to explain how it is that the Time Lords can get in touch with Troughton or how Jamie knows about them quite work. This is, of course, a minor issue at best, but it's almost tailor-made to piss <laughs> continuity obsessive fans off. <laughs> Um, Holmes's interest in continuity has always been virtually null. He jettisoned everything we thought we knew about Gallifrey and the Deadly Assassin, and in bringing the Time Lords back as peripheral figures in this story, he basically scraps all of that again. <laughs> Love it. As it turns out, the TV comic which was publishing in the late 60s also ignored the reality of two getting uh, immediately regenerated, and just stuck with him being exiled while still in his own face faffing about in London having 60s adventures. Apparently, Players, which is by Terence Dix, and I do own it, but I'm never going to read it because it's by Terence Dix, uh, directly addresses season 6b, but like, fuck, I'm going to read a Terence Dix book featuring Winston Churchill. <laughs> they, like, they're going to say something horrendous oh about boy. the Indian subcontinent. Like, like it's going like, to happen. Just, they're going to. Um, yeah. But there is a counter theory by Simon Gerrier, my love, my favourite EU writer. <laughs> <laughs> which was espoused in the early adventures audio, The Black Hole, that the CIA that the Doctor is working for is actually the, the meddling monk uh, pretending Ooh, to be okay, a Time like Lord to, to, to fuck That's about with fun. the Doctor um, while he was still travelling with Jamie and Victoria. Um, and it raises all the need for this nonsense. Like, I do like season 6B, but also it's all par- at least partially predicated on just the non-diegetic aging of Patrick Trout and Fraser Hines. Stop being rude to Patrick Trout and forgetting all that he was very busy having a secret <laughs> family. 
<laughs> like sometimes continuity doesn't have to be that messy. You can just make a new character to fix it. You know. Yeah, and the med- the meddling monk is a is a character from uh, the first Doctor's era. So like him coming he back, does need right. to be yeah, back. easy. He does. He's played by Rufus Hound in the audio, I think, and I really want to listen nice. to it. Like it's good. It's got Deborah Watling in it. It's got Fraser Hines as Jamie and the Doctor. So it's you know it's good stuff. Um. Then the short trip of the week is one I haven't actually read because I don't have it, <laughs> but I did want to mention it. And then I can talk about the fanfic I read that was based off it. <laughs> <laughs> that counts, right? It's like a shorter short trip. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Oh, so no, it's season six B of the, original the short story... trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a sad Sisyphean Second Doctor post-war games. So it's like. He goes out, the Time Lords are like, we'll give you an option. You can either be exiled and forced to regenerate and lose your companions, or you can do this one job for us, and then you will be forgiven, and you can go out and adventure again with Jamie and Victoria. And obviously the second Doctor goes, well, I suppose I'll do this job for you. And then he gets told what it is, and it's some horrible, morally dubious thing he doesn't want to do. But he's like, well, if it's just this one time, I suppose I can do it. I suppose I can do it. He goes out and does it and is duly horrified with himself and he comes back and then suddenly he remembers that he's done this literally countless times before. (laughs) Just being constantly sent on these missions over and over again with the promise it's the last one, but it's not the last one because they're always planning on sending him out again and he's never going to get back to Jamie and Zoe and you're like, oh my God. No. Um, And the, the, the fanfic is just an extension of that concept. It's the one that I've actually read. It's very good. The author also believes that Jamie and the Doctor are in love. So that's good. Um, I'm not going to say the author it's or the, t- to believe the title it when of the fic. It's the truth. Yeah, I'm not going to say the title or author on podcast because I know that's not necessarily the kind of publicity that fic authors want, but it's a very good fanfic. And if you go on AO3, you will probably find it. Um, But... It kind of goes into the same thing and it has him repeat that same process going into a thing that he doesn't want to do. He does it and then he remembers and he goes, oh, fuck, shit, fuck, we've been doing this forever. And then they wipe his memory and ask him again and he doesn't know that all this has already happened. <laughs> yeah, Just remembering it makes me want to yeah, die. Yeah, the Time Lords just, just seem like dicks, you know. Um, Oh yeah, they are. But yeah, so uh, that's my expanded universe. There's also a mention in Ben Aronovich's like last uh, new adventure that was co-written with Kate Orman. That, uh, there's a mention of an alternate universe where they go to, they like arrive at different times in the two Doctors, where one gets killed by Shokai. <laughs> um, there's one where they arrive too late to see that Oscar has been stabbed. Like all this other stuff. Interesting. And that's the end of the expanded universe. Segment. It explodes. Dun, dun, dun. Thank it you. Suffers a, it suffers a fate. No problem. We really need <laughs> yeah, to get to Christ. the end of this episode. We do. We do. We've been going for a long time. Um, what is your X of the week? My X of the week is... I'm going to go with... Someone else go first. Um, I can't think of one. Um, I'm going to go for outfit I wish I could pull off of the week. Ooh, I'd go yes. for Jamie's garb. I, I would love Ooh, to... Yeah have that yes 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 garb is a fantastic way to explain it as well yeah it's exactly what it is um i'm gonna go x of the week i'm gonna go uh usually unseen item of clothing of the week for six's waistcoat the back of six's waistcoat (laughs) i love seeing it back a niche i love it Um... benedict my ex of the week is uh, shock. I constantly interrupted mid cannibalism. That poor, that poor <laughs> man never gets it. Every time there was someone on that table, someone is like, "Shock, I need to leave." Yeah, shock. I sorry, you have to come and uh, make this toast. You have to come and check the toaster. It's not working. He's like, like, "For God's sake, I'm am, trying to tenderize this boy." <laughs> 
does nobody want to eat around here? <laughs> um, I've just scrolled down and oh. I've never seen what is, so much text. What is, what is that noise? <laughs> Where are we? Six degrees no, how did like I get seven. here? Uh, so Jacqueline Pierce, <laughs> Jacqueline Pierce, who plays Chastity, played Serverline in Blake Seven, Degree of One. She was also, and I feel completely insane. I felt insane finding out about this. She was in a video game called Gender Wars. That was a DOS game what? with Paul Darrow in the nineties. Paul Darrow played Kerr Avon. What yeah. is this? And I looked up the summary, and it, I like. In the future, <laughs> in, after an era of political correctness and equality, humanity is divided into two hostile factions. Each faction represents one of humanity's two genders. <laughs> humanity's two genders, lol. Um, the males who are ruled by a patriarch and the females who are ruled by a matriarch, both of which behave in stereotypical manners. For instance, the males being crude and focusing too much on drinking beer, the females being easily distracted by fashion-related merchandise, god, um, and which may try to eliminate each other and capture each other's rulers. Either faction sometimes conduct raids against the other, to steal reproductive cells in order to produce more members for themselves. I, this is the what the fuck. The player has to choose between the male this factions. This is the Futurama then. episode. I swear, this is the future. Yeah. Except maybe yeah. we're out the stealing sperm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the player has to choose between the male faction who tries to capture the matriarch or the female faction who tries to capture the patriarch. Regardless of the player's initial choice, the victorious faction of the two will put the remaining members of the defeated faction into servitude. The game ends by mentioning a rebellion caused by men and women working together, taking place a few years after the end of that the invalidates the whole. That invalidates Jesus the whole game. Christ. I couldn't find out... I saw the, the names of the characters that they played, but I couldn't figure out if they were meant to play the matriarch or the patriarch or like two I, other completely yeah. random characters. They were both what like is... professors. Like, but is it like a? Do you know what kind of game it's it was? It's a real time okay. strategy. That game, was actually going to be my first guess. The next was like an FMV point and click adventure. Um, there's so much wrong mm. with this, and I think we all know. <laughs> that's just yeah. I think we can all agree that oh gender boy. wars. I'm fairly certain I did find an abandoned website like, that would let me download it, and I was like, I'm not like, playing gender also, wars for the podcast. Sounds... I'm really sorry. I'm not playing gender wars. Also, for the podcast. it was never made in the nineties. Thank you. Like video games still yeah. sucked then. Like, I'm not surprised it was the 90s. I would hope that it wasn't like... Excuse me, James Bond Goldeneye on the I, Nintendo okay. 64. Discworld okay, for the point-and-click adventure. Don't at me. <laughs> but also, I am surprised that they got... <laughs> don't I, at I am my surprised brother. they got, like very on point attempts at social commentary in the 2020 of like oh this is the future the liberals yeah. want they want to put a wall <laughs> between the two genders except nowadays it would be like they want to make an infinite wall between all of their genders but they won't get along <laughs> they'll fight each other for sperm Let's yeah. be real, the actual gender wars are going to be I, led yes. by the turfs. Uh, I, horrible thoughts. It's either that, well, or they'll be led uh, by slugs. Let's, let's, because uh, slugs don't have genders, and yes. really that's the apex. <laughs> It'll be Mestor, Mestor will be back. Mestor will be back with his slug eggs, <laughs> and we need to, we need to fertilize them oh with God. nutritional mucus. I and did not realize they said, look, no, I do. Uh, five cannibalisms out of five, <laughs> right? That's the next section. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what what we giving it? What we giving it? Ooh, Unfortunately, oh, it wasn't on Letterboxd. It. There wasn't. Um, it wasn't on Letterboxd for some reason. So I can't even uh, get the Letterboxd average for you. I think I would probably give it like a solid three point five. Jamie's clutching out of five. yes, that's very good. I would give it. 
I would give it three Rice Krispies on my face out Damn of five. Damn it, that was going to be mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Twin <laughs> telepathy it. strikes um, again. <laughs> I think I'd go for... Um, uh, uh, three moths drowning in cyanide out of five. It would ha- it would happen off. He- he'd okay. done it before, you know. Cool. Good old Oscar. Yeah. So now we have to check our overall ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, I would put it. Oh fuck! We've got too many cereals too- on here now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look up. I'll look up Gallifrey two hundred. Okay, I would probably propose putting this. Between Modern Undead and Horns of Nyman. Yeah, that was a round where I was thinking. I think I might like it a little bit more than Modern Undead, but also it's it's longer than Modern Undead, so it's like you have to be able to factor that in. I'm happy to put it above Modern Undead. I'm yeah, you just that. hate Turlo, and I like Turlo. So like the fact well, that you I enjoyed Modern this, Undead. The fact that you would put that you would put a serial with Jamie in it below one with Turlo, and it shocks me for you. <laughs> an upset in the podcast continuity right where do we think i'm fine with it being there because i just i just re-listened to our rescue episode and i love the rescue the rescue is Um, fantastic i did not read the novelization of the two doctors i looked at a review of the novelization that said it was good it's good um that's good so that's good yeah so uh where are we thinking this is going to be in the mighty 200 poll like what oh yeah now quite high high. it's a crossover thing so it's going to be like i don't know between yeah I was sixty and seventy, somewhere in that ballpark. I'm gonna okay. say I'm gonna say hundred and ten mm. just to get the span. Oh nice, yep. Thirty one is me. Hundred and twenty five. Oh boy, that's wild. Yeah, it's one below Vengeance on Varos and two above the rescue. <laughs> people just hate Colin. The people, people don't just know hate what Colin. they want. You know? Yeah. I don't this know. people wants a pizza. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Got a casserole downstairs. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Oh, it's, nice. Yeah. So, Ben, do you okay, have anything you want to so, plug at the end of the episode? The, through the medium of time travel, this podcast will probably have come out <laughs> after my podcast has started, um, which is going to be which, which is an actual play RPG podcast using Monster of the Week called Roll Plenty. Um, it's about a. It's Yay. about four. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's a really it's good about, title, Ben. It yeah. features four very strange, mostly magical people. Um, trying their best sorry i'm recording the podcast on the landing uh it features four it features four mostly magical british citizens trying to stop their town from being destroyed by various historical thing uh which leads it which ties it nicely into this podcast about time traveling i won't say that there's time travel in this (laughs) but it's very likely that there will be historical similarities as so nice. Benny, yes. so I'm I'm the DM. Uh, I'm having a great time. We've done a few sessions. We'll have done we'll have done many sessions by the time this is aired. But it's it's the it's the early days of it. <laughs> um, you'll be able to find that on. We're going to be thorough, so probably any podcast platform. Um, and if it's not, you can email us at. I think rollplentypodcast at gmail.com and we'll have a Twitter which I think will be what at rollplentypodcast we yeah, will, yeah, yeah. We will I'll link send links when we and post stuff the episode yeah. in six months when we'll probably have finished <laughs> okay. like the first four uh, and hey maybe I'll plug maybe maybe then I'll well, plug your you podcast much, on it because it'll be a bigger podcast than you maybe oh maybe. that'd be lovely thank you very much Ben for yeah. coming on the podcast you for having it's been me. a delight yes thank you you're always welcome watched, to join I'll us I'll have tried to watch more Doctor Who by then I can actually 
Yeah. <laughs> actually be like, yes, I too agree with these in-depth in-depth discussions on um like fucking Tom Baker's scar. <laughs> yeah, we do it's have in-depth discussions about that. Uh Aim, it's your turn to do the outro. Alright, thank you so much for joining us today. Um you can tell us how much you love us. Um we're on Twitter at PolaritiPod or Tumblr at PolaritiPod.tumblr.com. Our personal Twitters, I'm at AimTellStories, that's A-Y-M, and Rosie is at .sayers. Um, ben, do you have a Twitter account personally? No, you do I don't. Not have I don't he Twitter. does, but he doesn't tweet. He never <laughs> that's tweets. Fine. Cool. That's all right. And next time we'll be discussing the Sontaran experiment. Woo! Woo! Two-parter, baby! Easy. Bosh. <laughs> Done it in two hours. <laughs>